What's up, folks, and welcome back to the Primal Podcast. I've got the cozy hoodie on, the fire's on in the studio here. Winter is truly here. Christmas is just around the corner, and I have a treat for you in today's episode. My guest today is Ashling Fox, recently married, so you might recognize her as Ashling O'Kelly of AOK Nutrition. Ashling is a nutritional therapist specializing in female hormones and is currently studying herbal medicine. And her approach to health and wellness will hit home at many people who have listened to this podcast before because she is dedicated to uncovering the root cause behind the conditions that lead to illnesses, diseases, and many, many other issues that we deal with in a health and wellness capacity today. Ashling's work with her clients involves combining many different aspects of lifestyle, sleep, nutrition, health and wellness to build individualized and personalized plans for each and every person that she sees. I was specifically interested in speaking to Ashling today because of her absolute expertise and wealth of knowledge when it comes to female health and particularly things like contraception, fertility, sex, libido and all of the different topics that seem to have some sort of weird taboo about them nowadays and that we don't hear discussed very often. In both my personal and professional experience in the medical world, I know for a fact that most men and most women nowadays have such a poor and limited understanding of this world of female specific health. And even if it's not personally relevant to you, every single one of us has somebody in our life who will suffer with some of the issues that Ashling outlines today. My own ignorance when it comes to many different aspects of health and wellness has stopped surprising me now at this stage. And that's why I do this podcast, because I'm eager to learn and grow, and I know there's so much more there to learn. But what is absolutely shocking, as Ashling will outline today, is that even in this world of wonderful modern medicine, where we think we know absolutely everything there is to know, there is still such a lack of proper information and education for us as patients and we're still going through processes and procedures taking medications and going through treatment plans that do not directly contribute to our health and wellness and actually as you'll hear in many cases cause issues to become worse or create complications that we're not told about or don't know about and we're left to pick up the pieces at the end of the day. I'm always so grateful and impressed when I hear about people like Ashling doing absolutely incredible work like this and really putting herself out there to help and educate people, in this case specifically women, when it comes to their own health and wellness and helping to empower those people to live better, healthier and happier lives. So no matter who you are, listen to this episode, absorb the information and spread it on to someone you think it might help because it is changing lives. Thank you very much Ashling for coming on the show, it was a pleasure to have you. Enjoy it guys. Welcome to our shared journey to find the answers to questions about health, wellness, nutrition, performance, life and success, and to craft the most resilient, hardy and happy humans you've ever seen. Welcome to the Primal Podcast. Ashton Fox. I nearly said Ashling O'Kelly. <laughs> I'm still saying Ashling O'Kelly, so that's okay. <laughs> so it is okay, Ashling O'Kelly Fox. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for coming. And I never actually ask people this. How are you? I'm good today. Good? I'm okay today. Yeah, I'm good today. Just okay. I've a lot on. <laughs> like, okay, so you're busy but good. I'm busy but good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come here and have a chat with me. Um, yeah. Go on. No, so thank you for having me. I'm oh. always, I'm always a lively podcast. I feel like. It's such a, I love having use of other people's platforms to talk, spread my message of hormones and, and, and healthiness. So yeah. I'm always so happy to come on and, and talk on other people's podcasts. Well, I appreciate that because I'm here literally just to take advantage of your knowledge <laughs> and expertise and, uh, and spread it with the people. But uh, 
I, the reason I've asked you to come on, I explained this to you before the podcast, is I have a glaring hole in my own knowledge. Um, and now you can correct me on my terminology here, right? Because some people don't like the, the, the phrase female health. But it, it is female health that I'm interested in in understanding because I know as a, as a male, I have a, a really poor understanding of it. But I also know nowadays a lot of females don't have a great understanding or grasp of all the different avenues or aspects of female health. That's one big area I'd love to talk to you about. Um, obviously, your background in nutrition is, is fascinating to me as well. So and I know there's a, a direct link and combination there. Um, and then just in general, your your approach to the world of medicine and helping people. I just It's all about helping people for me. And I, I, I'm getting that from you in spades as well. But before we dive into this, would you mind giving me a bit of a background on what you are, naturopath, nutritional therapist, what that means um, and your journey to uh to, to where we are today. Yeah, of course. So I always think my story is probably a bit different because I was brought up with natural medicine. So when we were kids, my mom was actually a nurse and she was a midwife. And my eldest brother, Kieran, had really, really bad eczema. So like covered from head to toe since he was born. And my mom's literal mission in life was to find a cure for him. So she didn't find natural medicine until he was 13. And he was going into oh, well. second year, I think, in school. And she was bawling, crying in Temple Street, coming home from work one day. And a woman came over to her on the lift and was like, are you okay, love? Kind of thing. You know, it's Irish people are so yeah, sad. Yeah. Kind of thing. I was like, my son, Kieran's going to, you know, school and he's going to be bullied and all this. And the woman said to her, have you ever heard of her own medicine? And that was it. My mom went and got Kieran herbs and homeopathic remedies actually a part of that as well, which are so controversial. Like, you know, this we could talk about that on its own. Homeopathic remedies yeah. have been seen to kind of be placebo effect and things like that. But that's another thing that she used with for Kieran at the time. And his skin cleared up. And she was like, what is this witchcraft, basically? Uh -huh. And ended up kind of changing careers. And she trained to be a herbalist. And she set up her clinic, which is called Breath of Life in Port Marnock, where we're from, in 1994. And part of that, she does things like reflexology as well. And she uses things like batch flower remedies and aromatherapy. And it's real holistic. So the whole goal of her clinic was to look at the root of the problem. And then we, we know, make up personalized plans for people then from that. So what happened for me was when I was growing up, that was just our, you know, our, our first protocol. So if I had a sore throat, I'd be like, mom, do you have any echinacea? You know, where's the vitamin C? So it wasn't something I learned in my 20s when I went to study it. I always had this kind of innate understanding of natural medicine. And my mom was really into Chinese medicine and like Ayurveda medicine. So even language she used, like, you know, um, I'm sure people won't understand it, but, you know, in Ayurveda medicine, there's three different um, constitutions called Vata, Pitta, Kapha. So my mom would be like, Ashing, you're being very Pitta, which is real, like, aggravated and this kind of thing. And, you know, so it's really interesting that when I went to study it, I actually knew so much of it already. So basically then ended up going training to be a nutritionist myself in CNM. So it's actually nutritional therapy as well, which is so important for people to realize that when I left college, I didn't want to go do human nutrition in UCD. Like that, that was so far from what my understanding of nutrition was because you don't learn about like getting to the root of the problem. You don't learn it from a naturopathic perspective, which is that like, the, you know, using many different healing tools together and looking at it, like I said, from, from the root of the problem. So I did nutrition and then I set up my own clinic, AOK Nutrition, then in, God, when was that? Probably 2014. And I was a real brat. Like I was like, mom, I want nothing to do with you. Like her clinic was established nearly, what, 20 years. And my mom's whole, like kind of her mantra and her whole, I don't know, vibe in her clinic is that she never advertised. My mom, even now will say like, if people are meant to come, they'll come. Wow. So from day one. 
So, Fair you know, that's right. 1994. There was no Google even yeah. then. And so she always says like, you know, people are meant to come to the clinic. And my mum is quite religious and she's very in tune with kind of like, you know, the path that she's on. And she's like, God guides her and things like this. So I wouldn't really be as much into that. But I've, I've, I've come a long way since then. But basically in 2014, I was like, I want nothing to do with you. I want to, you know, make my own mark in the world and things. So Aokinetrician was born. And um, yeah, it's just grown since then, I guess. Like it's been amazing myself my mom actually run our clinics together now so we merged in 2018 so our company is called O'Kelly Health and within that we have now Breath of Life and we have Aoka Nutrition as a partnership and we work together she's our herbalist and I'm the nutritionist um, and it's great it's lovely having all of her expertise plus my kind of new science head I kind of say like you know I need to know how things work like okay, yeah. th this is my brain Um so even now studying herbs, I'm just fascinated by like the mechanisms and actually like, you know, say lavender is good for sleep, but I know why now, like, you know, things like that. Yeah, and I just yeah, am like, yeah. herbs are there for us to use. There's no other way about it. Like, it's so interesting. And then in relation to hormones, I feel like what I'm known so much for now, I don't know. I think it just, I started talking about it and people were shouting from the rooftops to listen. Like it just was such a need for it. And I always say to anyone starting off, I'm like, find an area that you're really passionate about and be really good in that area because nutrition is so broad. Like I've no interest now in seeing someone for sports science or for, you know, for someone doing a marathon, like I'd probably refer them on to someone else. So I just got really good at nutrition. I'm just so passionate about it because like what you said there, it started such an area that's not really spoken about either. So that's in a nutshell. <laughs> that's, that was a, the whole life story. Very condensed. I love it. Yeah. Uh, would you mind just, because a lot of people don't understand so you spoke about hormones. Yeah. And people have gone, but she's not an endocrinologist. Why is she speaking about hormones? Uh, that's I, I think it's a really common misconception. Not a misconception. It's a common conception people have that unless you are a endocrinologist, mm -hmm. you're not qualified to speak about hormones. But in my experience, after leaving college, college literally only set me up to figure out what was actually going on because I did ATT and when I finished you kind of you do a test for an ankle and they teach it and you get a result it's never that way in real life you have to go way way deeper in real life and look at people's lives and look at how they feel and look at their, what, what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis so you have to learn that afterwards so in my opinion when I meet people who've dedicated the, the after college part of their lives mm -hmm. to, to researching and studying and working with people and actually helping I'd much rather engage with someone like that for my own health um, but with nat as a naturopath and nutrition and mm -hmm. nutritional therapist, would you mind just explaining for people who mightn't understand these terms how how that how those different titles, I suppose, differ, and how you've combined them all into yeah. into this hybrid? It's kind of a, a sad way to describe it, but it's like as if an endocrinologist would work alongside like a doctor. It's like the medical approach almost. And it's not us versus them. It shouldn't be like that. We should be working together because I don't have access to some things they have access to. And, you know, they don't have the knowledge to help people the way I have the knowledge to help people. So, for example, you know, I have some clients who they've no periods. They've lost their cycle. They go to the endocrinologist and the endocrinologist says, oh, yeah, your testosterone is high. So you have PCOS. Here's a pill now to you know fix that and it doesn't fix it so it's like it's very much this is the problem and this is the fix with from a medical perspective you have a headache let's take a painkiller but why do you have the headache why are you getting a headache again next week it never really identifies the root of the problem that is the main issue with female hormones and they're chronic conditions like you know if I say my husband comes home tomorrow with tonsillitis, I'll be, sent, I'll be the first one to send them to the GP to get an antibiotic for that. Like, I'm not going to be like, here, take herbs. And because medicine is there for a reason. But if someone is 
having heavy periods every single month or someone is struggling to get pregnant or someone is like that have lost their cycle or has hormonal acne, like the pill and kind of the the options offered from an endocrinologist and from the GP aren't enough anymore. Whereas from my perspective, okay, they come when their testosterone is high. Okay, why is it high? Do you have insulin resistance? Do you have too much inflammation? Have you just come off the pill? Is it due to stress? Is it due to diet? And we look at all these different factors and everyone is so different. Everybody has their own story. So it's taking everyone as an individual as well. Whereas again, from a medical perspective, it's all the kind of one size fits all approach, which we're so, it's not the way it should be. We're all so different and everyone has own different things. So does that make sense? I tell you why it makes sense because I spent 15 years in a medical clinic and this was the big learning I took away from that. We, we practice functional medicine and it's about, I spoke about, to Fergus about this the other day. That you didn't hear, I read out the, the, the two definitions of um, functional medicine they have. Yeah. One was the Institute of Functional Medicine and it explained finding out the root cause of the problem and trying to not just address symptoms, but address what's actually going on. And then on Wikipedia, it talks about quackery and pseudoscience oh, and yeah. all this mad stuff. But I, 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 the phrase I use, well, that's really unhelpful because I, st- I still think a lot of people, the majority of people don't, they'll hear her about herbs, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll immediately roll their eyes. Yeah. Or they'll hear, well, you have to take care of your nutrition because everybody knows that at some level, everyone knows you have to eat well, but they don't really know what that means. And they'll still go to the doctor and cut out healthy fats because they've got high cholesterol and keep eating sugar. Like uh, It's funny, like I tell a story sometimes, I know someone who was told to stop putting butter on their scone, use flour out with their <laughs> scone and jam for high cholesterol and then was yeah. given a statin. Anyway, uh, so stuff like that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me because yeah. it's what I dealt with for years and years and years. But yeah your approach is so similar to that. And it's funny, the more people I speak to now in this world of functional medicine or mm-hmm. health promotion, wellness, all these are terms that get a bit of a bad rap. Herbs, yeah, um, alternative medicine, holistic medicine. To me, they're, they're so powerful because I've worked in that industry. I know what it means. It means combining, as you've said, medicine and science and surgery and all of these amazing tools that we have in modern medicine with natural therapies and figuring out like that just makes so much sense yeah. figure out what the problem is yeah not what the symptom is and so, fix it and, exactly. fi- and fix it yeah. or, or, or work on a, a lifestyle plan for this person that they can start to fix it themselves and i think that's the most empowering thing yeah is helping people fix it themselves yeah definitely people taking responsibility as well that's the, oh you're going there uh, like, people hate hearing this they hate it like you know your cholesterol is high like do you know what's funny is my dad is on statins <laughs> And this is me and my man, my mum owning our clinic, we've our herbs, we've nutrition. And he just said once, do you know what? He goes, your way is too hard. I'd rather just eat the scone and take my statin. So sometimes it's, you know, it's the the want to actually do it as well, I think. And the, it's it's hard. It's hard to actually live this because it's not a quick fix. You have to actually keep it up, you know. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And here's a question for it because I asked loads of people this. I'm really interested in your answer. What do you think the answer is for someone like your dad? Because you don't like... A lot of people wait for the heart attack mm-hmm. before they go and change their lives. Most people would wait. It could be an emotional heart attack, could be a spiritual heart, could be a heart attack in a relationship, could be a physical heart attack. But mm-hmm. most people wait for a traumatic incident to, to give them the push to actually change their life, to have a life-altering event. But you know, and I know, and a lot of people are starting to know now that you don't have to wait for that. You can mm-hmm. avoid that. You can yeah. avoid having to go to the hospital. Um, and we were laughing before, like, that I'm not looking to change the HSE. But the HSE will operate a lot more efficiently if there's a lot less chronically ill people taking up all the beds. Yeah. And we can <clears> stop being chronically ill and then we fix the HSE. Like that's yeah. my way my, my way from doing it is we can do it. Let's not go and campaign against the HSE. We can do it. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you approach this with people? How do you because I know you can't preach, you can't force, you can't how do you approach trying to help people 
understand that they can do more to empower themselves? It's a very hard question because like the person I hate the most coming into the clinic is the one whose wife has them forced to come in kicking and screaming and they won't want to be there and I'm like I have no point with you for three months I don't want you here either don't be wasting my time like I have a real kind of low tolerance sometimes for people um, I think a lot of people coming to us have already kind of churned the corner we don't really have to do much convincing yeah. but like for someone like my dad I feel like he's actually just lost cause until he has the heart attack I'm not touch one I'm just using it hypothetically do you know that way touch oh, one yeah, big time. but he won't change until either something drastic happens or the only people he'll listen to is like the HSE. My dad watches the news three times a day. RTE is his Bible. And do you know that way? Sometimes I'm like, dad, use your common sense. Like last year with COVID, for example, he was in high risk. He did not go for a walk for six weeks. And he's someone, he's retired. He goes every single morning and he does a 6K walk around Malhai Castle with three of his friends. He's done that for the last 10 years. And they go for their scone afterwards and they have their cup of tea, but I'm like, well, he's done his 5K kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. He does it every day. Literally, lash and rain, it has to be the same time, real creature of habit. And then COVID hit and he didn't leave the house for six weeks. And I rang him one day and I'm like, I'm concerned. You're not going to die of COVID, dad, but you might die of heart failure. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, go out at night time when there's no one around. You know what I mean? Walk. Like, we live in Port Marnock. Go down to the beach. There's no one on the beach. Size of it, like. Mm-hmm. I was like, you need to use your common sense here as well. So he did then eventually because I kind of just gave out to him. But I think it's a real generational thing. I think people our age, hopefully by the time we're our parents' age, will have learned more. But like our parents, it's so hard for them to change. Like it really is because the doctor said this and the doctor said that. And it's the same generation as like, you know, the, the church were like, where the be all and end all like so they grew up not questioning anything where we're kind of thought to question everything <laughs> so you know it's it's hard I think for them to change yeah it's funny you say I wasn't going to go here but I'll go here you, you went here <laughs> it's funny you say that because like now right now is a good example of fear and people reading certain things and, and following certain narratives and the doctor the priest and the lawyer and all that kind of stuff You've worked in an industry for years and you've been surrounded by this and so have I. So I have a very, very, like, I have a very skewed opinion on what the majority think about healthcare because I worked in, in health and functional medicine for the last 15 years and so have you for longer. Mm-hmm. So we're surrounded by people and ideas and concepts and we're really passionate for, for this stuff. So I'm extremely biased when it comes to this. And like, like you said earlier on, you get really, really frustrated sometimes. I get very frustrated. I've yeah. stopped now because... I, I'm, I'm learning that it doesn't get me anywhere and more people kind of gravitate towards you when you just open the door and sit there than yeah. if you try and shout at people. But the vast majority of people, my peers that I know right now, will swallow anything that's on News Talk or RTE. And I don't have a problem with these. I do, but I don't, I'm don't. i not going out trying to campaign against these platforms. They're, they're, they're playing games. They're just playing the game of media and I understand the game of media. But most of my peers will swallow that. Whatever side of the fence you want to sit on with COVID mm-hmm. like that is irrelevant. Most most of them will because I'm looking at most of my peers are not healthy people. Yeah, I'm not talking about my direct friends or anything like that, but most people in my bra- age bracket and your age bracket mm-hmm. are still not. There's definitely a change. There's more people focusing on self-empowerment and health and learning a little bit more, but it's still the vast majority of people are not taking care of themselves. And these are the people I saw in the clinic for, for 10 years, I'd say. Successful people, late 20s, 30s doing very well in life, massively unhealthy. But if I get sick, I'll just go to the doctor Yeah. as opposed to I'll take care of myself. So yeah. and I, I know what you're saying about our folks generation because my parents would be like that as well. But yeah. I haven't seen a massive shift and I'm surrounded by people like you all the time. So when, yeah. I, when I put my head outside that circle, I'm like, 
it hasn't really changed out there yet and I come back in a little bit. Yeah. So that it is difficult. Yeah. Um, to not drag you down a political and social <laughs> <laughs> we can talk all rabbit day. hole. Um, let's start off, if you don't mind, yeah. with the whole realm of female health because... Mm-hmm. It was actually shout out to my fiance Jill. She pointed me in your direction first of all and said it might be an interesting conversation. And I was fascinated by the, the the volume, the amount of knowledge that you have on topics that I would only have come across. I have three sisters, yeah. so I would only have come across in passing over the last thirty years of my life. Things like female contraception, um, female reproductive health, and um, PCOS. I had I mentioned I had ceremony on talking about endometriosis and my mind was blown. And I worked in the medical realm 15 years, knew what it was. I had no idea what it was. Um, and Sarah showed me that. Um, things like sex drive, ferti- fertility, libido, all that kind of stuff. It's almost like a foreign language to me when it comes to females. And nowadays, I think I mentioned earlier, a lot of women don't have a clue. Yeah. Don't have a clue. And I'm not saying I have a clue about all, all the male issues, but like it's it's something that's really, really important for psychological health, yeah. physical health, reproductive health. And it's almost like a, this witchcraft, this lore that we're losing because it's it's not being passed down anymore. Um, so I'm fascinated to get your take on that. And yeah. I'll make it a little bit easier for you because that's very broad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start in the world of contraception. Yeah. Because that was the area I, I kind of heard you be very um, outspoken on yeah. in terms of the, the poor prescription of contraception mm-hmm. for different issues and things like that. But could, could you give me contraception 101? Yeah. No, it is definitely something I feel very strong about. And it's funny, like even you saying like you don't have much knowledge. Most women I see don't have much knowledge. Like I say to clients, right, do you know much how your cycle works? And they're like, eh, not really. I go, okay, let's do a little biology lesson really quickly. And I explain it to them. And I'm like, I remember being in third year in school, going off point here for a sec, and learning, you know, you're, we all did um, biology. We all learned this. But it's so disconnected from that. Yeah. It's like, and the ovum goes down the fallopian <laughs> tube. And you're like so bored sitting there in science. And I say to my clients, right, you know the way you feel before your, your period, like you're a bit wrecked and blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's that. That's that had hormones, estrogen kicking in. Like, no way. Like, so it's just about kind of like women, if they got given the right information, it's very easy to understand. Okay. So first of all, going back to contraceptive is the big question here. Definitely, if you look at my Instagram, it's something I am quite passionate about because women have the right to ovulate. We have the right to make our own hormones. And that is what ovulation is. In how is you make how your body makes your own hormones. It, there's kind of, for some reason over the last couple of years, misconception that ovulation is only important if you want to get pregnant. And I see that so much with my clients. They go to the doctor, they have no period, which means they're not making their hormones. And their GP will say, oh, sure, you don't want a baby for a couple of years. Come back to me when you do and then we'll look at it. But basically, we've two separate hormones in our menstrual cycle. And I would say, let's split it into two halves. In that first half, we have a hormone called estrogen. And your estrogen is your real, like your get up and go hormone. So it's your mood, your energy, your drive, your sex drive included in that. It's just that real get up and go hormone. Like even if you're someone who works out, you're even stronger that first half of your cycle. You have more motivation. Your your brain kind of is, you know, your memory, your concentration, everything is just heightened, right? Then you ovulate in the middle of the month and then you make a hormone called progesterone and progesterone kind of works the opposite. It's actually a really calming hormone. So it's really good for anxiety. It's really good for mood. It's quite, um, it's a natural painkiller. So like if some women are really suffering things like, you know, a lot of cramps and sore boobs, we look at things like progesterone. So imagine, you know, 15 year olds starts having sex and they want to go on the pill and they're given the pill. What happens is ovulation is stopped. That's how, the, that's how birth control works. So Ovulation stops, which means no egg gets released, which means nothing there for you to get pregnant. 
But all those hormones get switched off as well. So all of a sudden, you don't have that extra motivation. You don't have that natural anti-anxiety. Your libido is gone. Like, so the amount of girls I see who come into me, they're in their 20s and they'll all take low libido on my consultation sheet. And it's because they started having sex and switched off their sex drive. Like, and they think there's something wrong with them. Do you know that kind of way? Because they're like, I don't get that kind of middle of the month kind of like boost or even... And it's funny talking to a man with this because obviously you don't you don't get it. But like when you're ovulating, I get you know, it. No, no. But when you're ovulating, right? So when you're ovulating and your eastern peaks, there's days you're like, my God, I look great today. Like you know, you're like, <laughs> my bum looks really good in these jeans. Like you feel sexier because it's evolution's way. It's your body's way of making you want to have sex. And even to the your your other half, like you release pheromones. They think you're sexier as well. Do you know that kind of way? Which is just so interesting. I know my my own husband. Like he doesn't know I'm ovulating, but I know. It's always like, yeah, here we go. Like when he's, you know, snugging over at nighttime, I'm like, like he doesn't know that that's the time. But I always find it so interesting from a science perspective. That I was like, these are my pheromones releasing into the <laughs> into the air. And I actually think it's so funny, the elder, because we don't have kids, but I actually think it's gotten worse as we've gotten older. It's like our, my body's just like wants me to have a baby. It's like so much more intense, which I'll laugh. I bet you other women listen to this now, but like that is me as well. But is it like that or it is that? It, it probably is it that. Is no, that. it probably is that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Probably is like, I'm 31 now. So my body's like, come on, hurry up. Like, so this is the issue, right? It's, it's, I'm all for women, like making their own decisions. I think it's unbelievable. We have the choice of birth control, but not at the sacrifice of switching off your hormones. And like I always say to clients, could you imagine if this was a man? Like, imagine I said to you, Jan, right, here's a pill. You have to take it at the same time every single day. You can't forget. I've already failed. Right? You can't forget, <laughs> right? You're going to get pregnant if you forget. Also, just to let you know, um, it actually might make you put on a little bit of weight. Um, it's going to probably switch off your sex drive. Um, actually, sex might not even feel as good either because even the pill can cause vaginal dryness. So most lads don't realize that either, right? Um, it might make you a little bit anxious. Oh, yeah, it's going to obviously affect your gut health as well because it is a steroid drug. Um, okay, cool. Here you go. Oh, oh! also when you come off it, you actually might get post-pill acne. Um, oh yeah, okay, cool. Here we go. You actually would, you, there's not a chance in hell that you would take it. And yet women have been doing this for so long. Like the pill was invented in what, like the 50s or 60s? And it hasn't changed in years. So it's just like women's health isn't as important, I think, either in Ireland. It's something that's not really looked at. Actually around the world, women aren't as, I don't know, as probably important probably not the right word but there's it's not acceptable the level of care for like that girl Sarah for example with endometriosis it takes nearly nine years for someone in Ireland to be diagnosed with endometriosis because pain is oh she's just taking another painkiller ah oh, she's just it's just cramps stop moaning that kind of mentality in Ireland do you know what I mean I do and she said something very similar yeah. to what you said oh, are you planning on having a baby and she yeah. was like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, there's so, so many other reasons why I want to sort out this issue here. And they're like, but you're not planning to have a baby. What's the big deal? And you said something there that, it, it, and I, I'll be very, very honest on this. It causes a lot of people to go, oh, for fuck's sake, talking about women. And we don't we don't care enough about women. Of course we care about women. But I am absolutely there with you now. Having, having spoken to Sarah, having spoken to you, having spoken to loads of different women about their experiences. It's actually crazy. Mm -hmm. And when I actually, you, 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 made me visualize there what it'd be like if someone offered me that pill. I'd be like, oh, fuck no, this is literally happening to 50% of the population yeah. right now. And having spoken again to yourself and Sarah and these people, it, it is, it's not, we're not doing enough. And there is this 
are you, are you, you're not having a baby? Well, then what, what's the problem? Deal with that. That's just being mm-hmm. a woman. Deal with it. It's just being a woman. And women believe that now and that's the problem, I think. Yeah. Again, I think the whole kind of Catholic Ireland, going back to that for a second, like, you know, the problem even with the endometriosis side of things. So endometriosis runs in families. And if I asked you, like, what was your granny's periods like? They, people don't have a clue. You weren't allowed to talk about periods. You weren't allowed to talk about sex. So yeah. it's like a whole generation of like, hush, hush, don't be saying that now. You can't be talking about that. And yeah. it was very much brushed under the rug. Or the problem is like my Nana had nine kids. So she was either pregnant or breastfeeding for so much of her fertile years that like these conditions weren't as maybe weren't as bad back then and also so much environmental factors are different so mm. you have your alcohol you have your plastics you've you know the, our life has changed drastically in the last 80 years and in, in terms of of health and things like that so it's hard for our generation as well because even with the pill we're the first ones to be kind of given pill as kind of teenagers and then the the same people are putting the pill 15 to regulate your cycle I'm doing kind of inverted commas like that's something I find so frustrating people say to me oh I, I used to have a regular periods but then the GP gave me the pill and now it's fixed this is the other thing, Dan, as well. When you go in to get the pill, you're not sat down saying, do you understand how this works? That was my question. You mentioned yeah. all these things. You told me all these things about the pill. Are you told this no, as a woman this is being the thing. offered the pill? I remember getting the pill when I was younger. I, don't, I didn't go on until I was about 21. And that was just for a contraceptive. And and I was kind of just giving it a go because I was in college and I was like, oh, sure, everyone's doing it. Yeah, let's go in. And they're like, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I'm thinking about going. And then she's like, yeah, no problem. Here you go. Wrote me a script. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went to one called Microlite, which is just like a real basic one. But I didn't know, you get basically a fake bleed on the pill. So that's the thing and other people don't realise. The bleed on the pill is not a real period. It's a pill bleed. And the reason you bleed is because there's synthetic oestrogen in it. So oestrogen, you know, when you're not on the pill, is a hormone that causes our period to grow. So I always say, think about oestrogen like filling up a water balloon and that water balloon is your period. So you have a synthetic form of that. It's not coming from your own ovaries making the hormone to get ready to ovulate. It's just a pill bleed. It's just a side effect of being on the pill. And women are on the pill, never told this isn't a real period. People think that's brilliant that this pill, whatever it is, I don't know, the doctor gave it to me, is now fixing my periods. And they're on it for 10 years. And then they come to me and I'm like, no, 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 you had a regular period. You got put in the pill and now you haven't had a period in 15 years. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean? I, I have had a period. Like, it's just, it's lack of education. And I feel like that's the problem. You should be told, this is how it works. Are you aware it's going to switch off your hormones? These are potential side effects. Like, if someone's on the pill, I know it sounds so dramatic, but if someone's on the pill and they're 15, they make the same level of hormones as your granny who's 80. Like, how is that okay? It's not okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the pill itself, does several different types of the pill? Yeah, so even from birth control, so like there's a lot of different types of birth control. Not all of them target ovulation. So for example, one that I'm not as opposed to is the copper coil. Now again, like imagine me being like, here's a copper rod, please (laughs) shove this inside you. And it's sore. Like, you know, I put up a poll a few weeks ago just because I've never had the copper coil. It's not something I can speak from experience. But I'd lo- I was saying to people, look, give me your experiences. And people either loved it or hated it. Girls are like, it was horrific. And it inserted, like it's literally a copper rod going into your cervix and it lives there for maybe five years. And it works as contraceptive because the copper kills sperm motility. So like sperm comes in, it just can't get very far. It's not going to get up to the, can't swim basically. And it changes kind of the, the consistency of your cervical mucus as well, which is needed for kind of drawing the sperm up when you're it's no matter when you're saying things like it kills things and changes things I'm like what the what are <laughs> and we dealing with here? and it lives inside you <laughs> and it lives inside you <laughs> and it's copper <laughs> and it's copper but that doesn't stop ovulation so you still get a period on that but then you know that's a copper rod inside you or they'll call them marina coil which 
um, is a low dose of hormones. It's not meant to stop your your ovulation. It kind of does at the start. And then um, after a while, about a year or so later, then it kind of your period might come back again or you might start ovulating again. So there's other options, but uh, most of them are basically working by switching off your hormones. You said it was a funny post you put up about one of the uh, one of the injection ones was it the Defo? Yeah, it was like a French boutique or something like that. You were saying, you oh hate, yeah, you hate how these names are like Yasmin and Yasmin, like one of your mates <laughs> from across the road. This is they make it sound normal. Yas Yasmin, like yeah. like um, Elviv, like it just it's if you knew the name of the drug instead. It just makes the same way more clinical and like, oh, actually, I'm taking this every single day. Like girls are on it every day for 15 years and they spend their whole teenagers, their whole 20s not making hormones. You know, so I'm like, even your personality, a lot of my clients come back to me and they say, I feel like a fog has been lifted. I feel like I can actually even think more clear. I'm getting that boost in sex drive. Like, you know, all these little things, like I actually am stronger. Like I notice so much because I do work out a good bit, like coming up to my period, I'm so weak in the gym and I'm like, for God's sake. And then I'll, I'll my my strength will go back up the week That's later. Nuts, isn't it? It's so in, but I'm like, right, this is why. And yeah. even for girls to understand, like, or days I'll have really flat days. So the day before you get your period, all your hormones drop. Okay. So it's like you're running an empty for a day, right? So like, think of the Monday after electric picnic <laughs> that kind of feeling of just so dead so flat all your adrenaline's gone and you just have you know you might feel a bit down a bit depressed you're crying at a random out on the TV and how empowering it is to be like oh well actually I'm probably getting my period next couple of days that's why I'm actually feeling like this and when you get your period that is lifted almost immediately like mm. that once your estrogen starts kicking in again start of your cycle that's gone like you know that way so even just for women to understand that and be like or be like why is my husband's chewing making me want to murder him (laughs) you know little things like that and even as a man for you to understand okay well actually my wife this is why she's like this or girlfriends or sisters or it's it should be talked about and again it's very hush hush and like it's just I think again go back to Catholic art in that real don't be saying this and you know yeah I've Two questions for you there. Um, most people at this point will be listening saying, if everything that Ashing is saying is true, and this thing's been around for 50, 60 years now, there's no way to keep giving it to us. This is kind of the attitude. There's no, there's, there's ethical committees and there's boards. and there's, So why, why are they still giving it to people when they know all this and you know all this and we know all this? Because most people said, they'll hear you and they go, oh, that's fascinating, but they won't actually believe that because doctors are still giving it out. Because it's not causing chronic issues. Like, you know, you're going to, it's not, but in terms of from this perspective, right? So from a doctor's perspective, no one's life is in danger. It's not causing infertility. It's not causing, like, you know, if it was something that was very severe in people's lives, I think they'd be looking at it more. Whereas they don't care that it's causing people depression. You go in, you get an antidepressant. Do you know that way? So they don't care it's causing gut health issues because the girls go in there and put a Movacol on laxatives. So it's like as if the side effects being caused by the pill, the doctors will never acknowledge that's the problem. Like that's it's it's like this disconnect almost from it. And if they are causing problems, which I know all the time, like gut health is a huge issue with girls on the pill. A lot of people don't realize the pill actually has lactose in it. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh no, I don't be drinking milk now. It, it drives me mad. You're taking a pill every day with lactose. That has a huge, you know, that can be causing bloating in itself. Um and it's just, it's just, just ish, you know, doctors are just giving drugs to fix the problem. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, this is the thing, like people like to me, you know, does the pill cause infertility? Will it, you know, get, have, get, cause me have, cause me trouble getting pregnant in later life? And it doesn't, like there's no research to say that it does those things, which 
maybe better if there was because I feel like it would have been taken off the market a long time ago, you know? Yeah, um, that was the answer I was hoping you were going to give because I would argue with no data to back this up whatsoever that it almost definitely does cause infertility. And this is just my opinion because if you have someone with their hormones are all over the place in their developmental and fertile years and all of a sudden they try and have a baby and they, it's like a man who hasn't had adequate testosterone production mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. That's going to affect everything about his life. And the other reason, you said it, it, not, people aren't dying. Yeah. And again, from a functional medicine perspective, I would argue, not with you, but I would argue yeah. the point that potentially people are, it's contributing to people having serious issues that could, could lead to death. Because when you mess up your testosterone, estrogen balance, yeah. cardiac health is a massive one. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. So you could be putting yourself at risk of cardiac disease yeah. from taking the pill. It's not a direct cause, but it's the same as a statin. You you start taking a statin, it completely messes up your hormone production, testosterone specifically. Yeah. And they're now finding, well, it's not mainstream push, that a, a, a drop in testosterone causes massively high risk for cardiac disease. Yeah. So you take a statin to prevent cardiac disease and you might end up having cardiac disease yeah. that you never had by taking a statin. So I'm not yeah. blaming these medications, but I'm just saying there is an argument there yeah. for taking medications like this. I would be genuinely concerned for my generation in, you know, 30, 40 years to see what conditions we have then from. Because again, we're almost like the guinea pig generation. Like our moms were never oh, on fact. the pill. Yeah, we're never on the pill for 15, 20 years. And from a fertility kind of the argument there, like... There's, there's kind of two categories I see of people on birth control. One is Barbara who just didn't want to get pregnant and was having a ball and went on the pill and she had a great time and that's fine. And then there was um, Ashling who, for example, had no cycle and went and got put in the pill and never addressed the root of the problem. And now she's 30 and wants to get pregnant. And now that's a problem. Yeah. There's kind of two different categories. And that's why I think it's never to be looked at because in a group of girls, there's always one girl I'm like, oh, sure, I got on great. I had no problems. I feel fine. The pill, actually, my mood is fine. I've no digestive issues. And then there's someone else who's all over the place. I'm like, oh, sure, well, maybe it's not the pill because she's fine, but I'm feeling awful. But as you mentioned at the start, everyone is so different. Like your environment, you know, shapes your, your whole system. So while... You know, Barbara is fine. Ashing actually, it is actually the pill causing problems for her. You know that way. Yeah. So it's just, and I don't know. There's no data on do people care. Like this is the thing. I know it sounds again. You know, us poor women, but it's not looked into. Yeah. Like there was actually a male contraceptive made know, in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, and it still hasn't come to market. Yeah. And this male, <laughs> imagine they could just take something. It just kills sperm. It doesn't even kill. Like the feeling of sex, doesn't it? Uh, that's what they want. And lads are absolutely having none of it. Like, whereas women happy, like, yeah, yeah, let's just switch off my hormones. And the sex drive thing, I always just find it so ironic because, you know, people go on the pill because they don't have sex. I'm like, no one's having sex anyway. Like, it's like an added contraceptive in itself. Yeah. You know, it's part of it. Like, so it's just ironic. Yeah, it, it is. It is very, very ironic. And again, that idea of of. I'm fine is something I find very funny because you'll see this all the time. As a practitioner, you will see this. I'm fine. People don't know what fine is. People are living at a two out of 10 and that's mm-hmm. fine. So even Barbara who says, I'm fine. I, I laughed specifically when I'm in the clinic or Owen Lacey used to say this all the time as well about women who used to come in and going through the questionnaires and so on. I would see this with, with, with Dr. Sam as well, going through questionnaires. And um, when was your last cycle? Oh, I don't remember, three or four years ago. And um, your last bell movement, uh, two weeks ago. And going through all, and, and, but how are you feeling? I'm fine, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. all the markers are of somebody who's dying, <laughs> like yeah. chronically ill. And But that's that person's normal. Yes. So they believe that that's fine. Yeah. So I, that's why I believe, I don't think people are stupid or, or ignorant like that. And you, you didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think people know what it is to be exactly. healthy. Exactly, yeah. So f- the new fine isn't fine. Yeah. 
People come back to me and they go, I didn't know what I was supposed to feel like. You know, I didn't know this is what you're meant to feel like. I didn't know you're meant to have a full night's sleep. I didn't know you're meant to go to the toilet every day. And I even say to clients, you bloated. Like, no, no, I'm not bloated. They come back. Oh my gosh, I was so bloated. Like, (laughs) it's because they don't know like that they're the two out of 10. They've never been 10 out of 10. So they don't understand. And people turn around to me and I'm sure you as well, after kind of this journey you've been on, I'm sure you know, you've seen how much of an impact eating well and looking after yourself is. Like people go to me, do you eat healthy all the time? And I'm like, but most of the time, because I like the way I feel and I like the way my body reacts and I know it's the way I'm meant to be. I'm even like, you know, I work better. It's like, why wouldn't I live like this? You know, if if I can make myself feel like this, if that's the motivation in itself. Like, oh, you eat salads every day, like, which I don't, but it's like, that's the motivation to get up and, and do, keep it up long term yeah. because you feel so good doing it. That, that's, that's where lifestyle change comes yeah. in as opposed to fad dieting and short term, short term stuff like that. And it's, it's funny you say that as well, because once you get a taste of that, oh my God, it's addictive. When yeah. you get a taste of feeling good, you're so in, you're intrinsically motivated then. And that's why I asked you the question earlier on, how do you get someone just to cross that first hurdle? That absolute resistance to having to do any, because it's horrible. If you don't get up and work out in the morning times, that first workout in the morning time is nearly impossible to do. It's nearly impossible to do psychologically and physically for a person because every single fibre of their being is stopping them from doing that. If you're used to a high sugar diet and someone puts a, sh- a salad down, you have to make a salad. It's almost impossible. Yeah. And you've been there and I've been there with, mm-hmm. with different things. So I, I, I sympathise and empathise. And I am not a healthy Adonis here doing, doing all these amazing things, but I've had a taste of what it feels like to feel really good. So when I start to lose good lifestyle habits, I'm the one who makes the decision to, oh, fuck no, I have to keep, I'll, I'll train and I'll eat well and I'll do all these different things because it feels amazing. So I'm always wondering, how do you, how do you get people just to take that first little step? Because once they do and they get the result, it's amazing. Yeah, It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, most people think they're fine or when they get sick, they go to the doctor and they get their medication. So now I am fine, even if they still feel terrible Yeah, because they don't know what terrible is. Yeah. Um, a question I had for you was other reasons because I know there's other reasons why young girls might be put on contraceptive. Are there other reasons apart from regulating their period like skin issues and stuff like that? Yeah, but they're all masking the underlying issue. Like I yeah. see clients for irregular cycles, for heavy periods, for acne, for all those issues, loss of cycle as well. Like irregular cycles and no period are kind of two very different things. And again, I'm not against the pill. Like if you're 16 and you've cystic acne and you're in fourth year, and you fancy that boy and you're so embarrassed and it's hard enough being a teenager already. Yeah. Like I'm like, okay, thank God they have the pill. Go on. The pill is unbelievable for skin. Like the the hormones in the pill, the especially things like Dinah and your Yaz and your Yasmin, you know, <laughs> up the road, they work by suppressing oil production of your skin and they can lower your androgen levels, which is your testosterone and obviously your hormones are switched off as well. So all of a sudden your skin clears up and you look fabulous and that's brilliant. But when you come off the pill, there's a very high possibility that that acne is going to come back again. And I see big, big clientele with this and my heart is broken for them as well because all of a sudden they're in their 30s and they've cystic acne like as if they were 15 again. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? And hair growth. So like how many girls, you know, in their 20s go and get laser hair removal, for example. That's all linked in as well. That's, you know, testosterone that often drives the the hair growth. And they come off the pill and all of a sudden their thousands of euro worth of laser hair is just, it's all grown back again after they come off the pill. So, you know, same with heavy periods, like it's masking the issue. And doctors aren't equipped. They don't know why this is happening. And I struggle with this so much because Again, I respect doctors so much. They've done so much work. They spend so much money. They're doing this because they have a calling to help people. And you, I come in, I'm 16 year old. I'm fainting in school every month because my periods are so heavy and my skin is covered in acne. 
what do they have to give me? They don't have anything. They have the pill, they have painkillers. And they send you, okay, I'll free you onto an endocrinologist. What do they have? They have the pill or they have painkillers. The lifestyle medicine is missing so much and it makes such a difference. This is the thing, like what you're eating, what you're putting into the body and then our herbal medicine and our nutrition supplements make such an impact. But there's such a line between these two things and that's the frustrating part, like, you mm-hmm. know, so it's it's so hard. Like, and I have moms ringing me being like, you know, my 14-year-old, my it's getting younger and younger. I had a girl last week, she's 13. She's not on the pill since she was 13 and she's 27 now. Like, Jesus. she's never made her own hormones. And she's 27 and she got put on it. Like, and I'm just like, how is that okay? Like, I'm a wheeler now. Again, I don't even know if GPs are or this, but your reproductive system isn't fully developed until you're 18. So this is what I was saying, like our generation now in 40 years. Uh, what will happen there? Like, you know what I mean? Like those girls now in menopause, like how, like, I don't know. I, I don't know the research. I just know that it's, it, it doesn't fully develop until you're 18. So some girls then when they come off the pill, it might take 12 months for their period to come back because it's like as if that was never kickstarted in the first place or this kind of thing. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about fertility earlier on as well. And it's funny because there was an ad on TV, I think it was two years ago. And the stats were, was it one in four couples are struggling at the moment. And like I know loads of people mm-hmm. who are struggling to have a baby in their early 30s. And if, if that's not a warning sign for things to come in the future, I don't know what is. Cause, and it's not just because of contraception, it's because it's, it's lifestyle. 100%. So my question going back then to the 16-year-old girl or the 15-year-old girl nowadays with chronic acne and stuff like that, I don't remember seeing any pictures from 50 years ago with a bunch of acne-ridden young people or people who are young with irregular cycles or hormonal issues. So obviously there's more going on here because the, the pill is like the intervention that doctors are giving. Mm-hmm. But what's happening that people at this young age are having these type of issues that didn't seem to exist before, just like the rates of cancer have gone through the roof and the rates of obesity and liver disease. It's lifestyle. Yeah. It's lifestyle. And then yeah. we're throwing a pill at a lifestyle issue yeah. that didn't exist 50 years ago. And something really interesting, we had, did a lot of work with testosterone for males in the clinic and some of the stats, now they're loose enough, but it's kind of like epidemiological stuff based on a bunch of different studies. But in general, a 50-year-old man now has half the testosterone of a 50-year-old man 50 years ago. I just remember 50, 50, 50. Yeah. So half the testosterone levels. So we're seeing males in their early 30s with the same level of testosterone. I don't like phrasing it like this, but the same level of testosterone as a man in his 60s should yeah. have based on historical data. Yeah. Whereas 50 years ago, it wasn't like that. And I always say this, life 50 years ago, we're very privileged now because we can sit here with nice mics and drive our cars. And we've got phones. It's amazing now but it's terrible for us. It's yeah. really, really bad for us. Whereas mm-hmm. when we used to work on the farms and the mines, that was hard. I don't want to go work on the mine. Yeah. But men had more testosterone. There was lower rates of chronic disease. We didn't have the, we had other stuff, but we didn't have the, the lifestyle diseases yeah. that we have now. I think people probably died earlier, but did they have better health until then? Definitely. You I'm know? a big believer yeah. in that. Definitely. Yeah. Like you hear your granny, oh yeah, he lived till he was eight. He was never sick. This kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he just died. Whereas like, now it's like, you know, older people get older earlier, but they live longer. Yeah. You know? But do they live better? This is the thing. I don't think they do. And I get big, mad pushback on that. Mad pushback. <laughs> but it's it's denial and resistance in people mm. who know there's more of you. But mad pushback because it's medicine's advancing at X, Y, Z. And mm-hmm. a, medicine is not a, it's amazing what medicine can do. And like, I look at like, sometimes I watch like neurosurgery and stuff like that. I'm like, holy shit, that's yeah. am- amazing. But I'm talking about lifestyle. Yeah. I'm not talking about surgery. If I break my leg and go to the hospital. Yeah. I'm not. You tonsillitis, you're going to get, I'm going, you're going to get I'm, antibiotics. I'm going, I'm going yeah. to get, go to the doctor who knows yeah. how to treat this specific yeah. thing. You're not going to come to me for tonsillitis. The same girl, you shouldn't go to the doctor because they have, you know, 
cystic hormonal exactly. acne or heavy periods yeah. that are due to the way they're eating or and if I have a car crash I'm not going to ask you to put ginger on me like it's, yeah. it's, I'm, 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 there's a relevant response yeah. for that and that's what the medical yeah. system that's what they're trained for yeah. they're not there to promote health but similarly I'm not going to I'm going to do everything I can to not break my leg yeah. why am I not doing everything I can to not have a heart attack yeah. or develop liver disease or have hormonal issues because it's we just don't operate that way for some strange reason yeah. um, and hence we're in the feckin' mess that we are now yeah. but that's the question I would ask of like 15, 14, 15 well what can I do my daughter has X, Y and Z well this is a major problem and an interesting one of the pills have you heard this before the effect on males as well but male and female levels of hormones because of the amount of pill that pill um, in the water, water systems because yeah. they can't filter it out yeah. they can't filter hormone out of the, the water system so there's so many women taking contraceptive yeah you've synthetic and lads having synthetic and estrogen like your man boobs 100% yeah. yeah and there's so many men there's a direct link between the, the rise of testosterone in the water system and gyms because steroids Anabolic steroids. No way. Yeah, they did a study in Chicago, I think it was, when it was like a, the big health boom and everyone was getting into gyms. Yeah. And there was like a gym in every single corner all of a sudden. And they realized that rates of certain issues were going up and the hormone levels in men and women were changing. Yeah. And it was because there were so many a- anabolic steroids oh, in the water system. But it's the same with the pill. And it's yeah. been 50 years now with the pill. Yeah. Um, and they've looked at obviously links between that and developing kind of um, cancers and things like mm-hmm. that as well. So it's a it's just a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. Um. So let's continue the, the thread. That was a, a great introduction to contraception there. Um, you mentioned sex drive and libido and fertility. So I'm going to kind of, they're not all in the same um, mm-hmm. realm there, but the pale aside, how, how does lifestyle and stress and food impact that? Because it's not just, there's many women who haven't been on the pale and are struggling now with all these different hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously other things going on, like you've just mentioned from our lifestyles. How do you look at that landscape in terms of lifestyle, stress specifically, um, the way women's lives have changed maybe over the last 30 years and the corporate world and all that kind of stuff? How does that influence all of these First of all, the most important thing women need to understand is, so in the second half of your cycle, I mentioned estrogen already, it's like your get up and go, your sex drive, your mood. Your second half, you've your progesterone again, your real calming hormone. Now progesterone also lightens your periods <clears throat> and it tells your body when it's time to get your period. So when your progesterone drops, you get your period basically when you run out of it. Um, progesterone is key for fertility. So when you literally like the egg and sperm meet up, and you get pregnant, you that implantation occurs, it's progesterone that's needed for the first 12 weeks of your cycle. And if you are someone who's always had really bad PMS, so like premenstrual syndrome coming up to your period where it's sore boobs and cramps and your skin is breaking out and you have really heavy periods and a lot of cramps and you're getting headaches, that is a lack of progesterone. That's what that is. You're meant to have enough so that doesn't happen. Now, the number one thing that can cause your progesterone to be low is stress your body will steal your progesterone to make stress hormones. So the generation we live now, like it's just, and I put my hand to this, I say to my clients, guys, I run on adrenaline. Like I know myself, when we finally go, right, let's gonna have kids, I have to change the way I do things because I don't, I can't function this capacity if I want to have a healthy pregnancy. It's just maybe because I know too much as well, like in terms of what, no, I probably could. It's just in terms of me doing everything by the book. But I use herbal medicine for this. And I'm like, thank God we have herbs to kind of maintain the lifestyles that we live. So if you're someone who, you know, thrives on being busy, like, you know, loves getting up for that workout and working all day, you know, boss bitch being in, you know, this kind of thing. I hate that phrase, but (laughs) you know what I mean by that? Like loves that drive. What are you doing to support that? Are you eating properly? Are you getting enough sleep? 
I take supplements. We shouldn't need supplements. We've been got it. We've we've gotten by for a long, long time without needing supplements as the human race. Why do we rely on them so much now? It's because our environment has changed so much. So, you know, like magnesium is so important for stress. And that also will help your progesterone production as well. Um, and I mentioned there a few minutes ago, like herbal medicine, me studying now to be a herbalist and seeing how, again, like herbs work. There are certain herbs that actually help increase progesterone levels. Like this one called Chaseberry or Agnus Castus or Vitex. It's three different names depending on who's telling you to get it. Um, and that works on basically like protecting your pituitary gland in your brain from stress so it doesn't affect your progesterone production that's like the short version of it but you know and I'm looking at it on paper I'm like we're meant to take herbs they're meant to support us so that in itself women to understand going back for a second if you've always had really bad periods and you know suffering around the time of your cycle or even had short cycles like anything less than 25 days is considered too short if you're having a 24 23 day cycle that means your progesterone's running out too soon so these are the same women then that might struggle to get pregnant or they're having early miscarriages. And you know what I mean? It, it's translated over from their lifestyle then from a fertility then perspective as well. Okay. And in terms of exercise, there's always an interesting one. And yeah. We talk about this a lot, but exercise is a form of stress. Oh yeah, 100%. You're running from a bear, you're going for a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's one of the more, more, more common things nowadays, strong as the new sexy and all this kind of stuff. A lot more women exercising in the gym, working out and all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic from the outside. Mm-hmm. If you understand the context of exercise in your life and it's yeah. part of your plan, but most people don't. And I think our generation use exercise. I used to do it myself for COVID. Like I'd be, coming home from work stressed a bit and like I just need to go go for a run yeah, I just need yeah, to yeah. get out of my head not realising that you're actually you know running on adrenaline all day in work and what are you going to do come home and trigger more more stress hormones like just and you feel great afterwards because you do get the endorphins when you work out but it is stress on the body so I think it's very important for women to kind of pick and choose like I always say to clients it, there's a big difference between the Thursday night workout when you're knackered and the Saturday morning workout when you've had a good night's sleep and you've had a nice breakfast and it's 12 o'clock on a Saturday and you're going to go enjoy the gym for an hour and it, there's a big difference as well between doing lifting weights and doing hit workout you know what I mean it's kind of yeah. understand what, what's important for your body but that is a huge part of things and then are you actually eating enough like you know strong's new sexy but girls still just want to be when they actually say lean they want to be skinny like do you know that way we want to most girls want that kind of physique of still being looking small and things like that so a lot of girls are exercising and then not refueling either so that in itself is obviously going to trigger stress in the body so there's a whole other yeah aspect that goes along with that and because you touched on it there the um this whole body dysmorphia thing has gone kind of swung from one i know it's not wanting to look skinny Mm -hmm. but the the skinny kind of need to be super sticked in to i want to have low body fat and muscle and i want to have this lean kind of jacked look can you speak to me a little bit about the importance of not that's I mean that's not necessarily the idea. It's great and it's impressive and it's amazing. And if you want to do that, I no problem with that. But it's not necessarily the healthiest state for a female to be in because you need a certain level of body fat for hormone production and for for just healthy living in general. Mm-hmm. But again, we forget it because the modern woman is jacked and lean and strong and independent and boss bitch, if you said. Yeah. So the there's a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea. I work a lot with this with women in the clinic and it's basically loss of cycle due to stress on the body. And this stress can be emotional stress. It can be under eating, especially if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, which a lot of women aren't. The devil. So the devil, the, devil. the carbs. <laughs> 
um, and then over exercising and low body weight. And literally your body's like, okay, Ashing, you can barely look after yourself at the moment. There is no way I'm going to let you get pregnant. So it stops you ovulating. That's basically it. Yeah. Or it feels like, how can I let you get pregnant when we're being chased by bears every day? Like, do you know that way? So if you've lost your cycle as a woman, it is your body literally screaming at you, trying to get your attention. Your mental cycle is the most natural, like, functionality that we have like I always say it's a sign of health so like your period is like your month report card so you should get your period and be like geez I forgot I was getting that today that's mad that's and people look at me going no but I get really bad periods that would never be me and my clients go back and they're like I'll I'll get emails oh my god Ash I got my period didn't even realize it was coming because some women Dan will feel it for two weeks before they get their period they're feeling crap and they're dying to get it and you've water retention if you're swelling you get constipation like it's it's crap like you know when you're when it's when it's off but um your period is reflection on how good or how bad you've been that month. And it's not even a sense of like, how many cookies did you eat? It's like, well, did you get enough sleep? What's your stress level? Like, have you been eating your greens? It's just the basics of eating, looking after yourselves. So yeah, definitely if someone's listening from an athlete perspective, you might think I am the best shape I've ever been. Like, you know, I'm lifting X amount of weight. I look amazing. But if you've no period, you're gone too far. That is your body again, trying to get your attention. And while it might even be great, maybe like, oh, it's great to worry about my period at the moment. That's fabulous a major part of hormones that it's not really talked about and it's probably less sexy than the sex drive and the, you know what I mean? The, the vaginal dryness and all that kind of stuff. It's, um, estrogen helps with, um, calcium absorption. So for example, I had a girl only a few weeks ago and she's 35 and she's osteoporosis and no one ever said to her, oh, you haven't had a period in four years. Oh, we need to look into this. Your bone health might be affected. That was, that was never, and said to her like the importance of it. She goes, I was never told. I didn't know that was a problem. So it's not just about like getting a period. It's about your overall health. Like, you know, 50 year old Ashing will be like, you little bitch. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking back at your twenties being like, yeah, you were lean, but now I've osteoporosis. Yeah, like yeah. it wasn't worth it. So it's just so important to, your values might be a certain thing at the moment, but if you actually look at, is your value being healthy? And if the answer is yes, what? you're doing is not healthy yeah yeah it's, it's a great a great message because it, it goes for everything if there's a sign there's something wrong it, that's not normal so it, like it, it can be anything if the, if your skin breaks out if you're putting on a bit more weight if the, and this is for men and women I'm not mm-hmm. saying f- for females anything that's a sign if you've dry mouth if your feet are itchy there's, there's something going on there and you shouldn't ignore that but especially something as fundamental as your period yeah. or for a man if something shifts significantly and all of a sudden you've no sex drive or erectile dysfunction or anything at all is not normal and what I find really interesting now is there's such a a buzz and I'm careful about how I say this about mental health nowadays and everyone's on the mental health train and in, on one hand, I think that's amazing because it's definitely an area which we should be so open and it should be unstigmatized and we should all talk about it. However, there's so many people talking about mental health that haven't a clue yeah. about what contributes to mental health. And every single thing you've said today contributes to mental health. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally everything. And yeah. hormones more so than most most conditions. Yeah. But you can't untie any of that. There is no mental health. There's health. Yeah. And your mind is part of your health. And usually if you're not feeling good, there's something wrong. But we want to diagnose it as depression or anxiety. These are symptoms. These are not conditions, in my opinion. Now, you have clinical depression, fine. But I still believe, even with clinical depression, we can't just give a medication for clinical depression without fixing all the other stuff. If you've taken, if you have the perfect lifestyle and you still have depression, mm-hmm. okay, we can go a little bit further here maybe and look at look at some other approach maybe. But I'm a firm believer because I saw, I've seen hundreds, thousands of people like this. 
when you start looking at lifestyle, there's so many signs there. Mm-hmm. And people are telling you like, oh, I'm sure people come in and they tell you these things. You're like, how have you not in 10 years thought that this is not normal? And how has nobody told you this is not normal? Yeah. And people, oh, I don't know, but I just really don't feel good. And my doctor and they gave me this tablet and yeah. now I'm on a SSRI or I'm, I'm whatever. I'm like, oh, I feel okay. And I still have all the other problems and it's getting worse. And now I'm on more medications and I've got some side effects. And But like, that's just life. We just get older. We just, and I'm like, no. Yeah. And then it's frustrating for me, but I'm getting less frustrated and more accepting. Yeah. That so many people talk about mental health, but it's almost doing it a disservice because they're not talking about overall health alongside mental health. Like a lot of issues nowadays. Yeah. Even COVID right now. Two years in, nobody's talking oh, about losing weight. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a we won't go the there now, We won't but go there. Yeah. Nobody's talking about healthier people. Yeah. Nobody. Well, there's a few people, but they're not the main people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so frustrating. And like what you were saying there, I just get so upset with that because... Yeah, it does upsetting. So upsetting. Yeah, because like, you know how someone could feel potentially. You yeah. know you can help someone. And I can't help everyone. That's the problem. No. You know, your hands are tied for certain things. I'm only one person and I can't help, you know, how many people want to come see it. And I, it's, it, when you're doing it to help people, it's so frustrating. And it's like, why am I the only one saying it? And as well, there's a lot of pushback from... GPs like you know I've sent my clients back and I'm always trying to be really respectful like that's what I'm always trying to get across it's not us or them so I look at a blood test and it's like as if again um, I was talking to a different GP and I don't know how to choose it but I think he said like the, the bloods that Ireland based their ranges on are from like the, the 1980s where it that, like how like so long ago like do you know that kind those of way those ranges are outrageous ridiculous I would say the ranges are for sick people so if you're out of range you're sick right so I look at blood sometimes and I send my clients back to the GP saying look go back and question this is not right you weren't you did not PCOS this this and this like and I tell them the diagnosis and the GP said who said that no that's wrong and kind of put the client down and say like I'm the GP you're wrong like it's so frustrating I'm almost Send my, I'm send them links with clinical trials when I go in and show that to your GP and they just don't care they don't want to look at it and I understand they're so busy and you know what I mean it's it, GPs are so high in demand even more pressure on them right now at the moment but I do believe that if you're in that setting where you're seeing one-on-one people you need to keep up to date with clinical research you need to keep up to date with blood testing especially hormones like how many women go and get their bloods done before because they want to get pregnant. Oh yeah, everything is fine. And they come to me then because they've had two miscarriages and I look at their bloods from two years ago and I'm literally like, how was that missed? You know what I mean? That's so unfair. Thyroid is a huge condition here, for example, when mm-hmm. it comes to miscarriage. And um, the range is in Ireland. So the basically you can range can go up to four in Ireland, your thyroid stimulating hormone, where from a fertility perspective, we wouldn't let that go above two. And if it's above two, your risk of miscarriage goes up massively. So if someone goes into their GP and they're 3.9, yeah, you're fine. Do you know, it's just, and this is like, it's it's not me like this, like picking herbs up in the Dublin mountains, being, you know what I mean? Like heads, yeah. doing a moon dance. Like this is <laughs> literal, do you know what I mean though? It's not me being a, a like a mad, like Harry Potter. Like yeah. I'm like, this is clinical research. Like I'm not coming from quackery. Like it's just so frustrating. And again, I've tried to just make my peace with it because it's just focus on the people coming to you. Look after them the best you can. Do things like this. Try and spread the knowledge. Yeah. And, and even if this helps a few people, then they can tell other people. And 
that's all we can do, you know. You've hit the nail on the head there. It's educate. And this is cliched and people hate hearing it and people hate hearing take responsibility and empower yourself and all this. But it it absolutely is the way. And I see it changing because I told you before, you get this as well. People reach out and they say, you've changed my life. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. They did everything. Um, And just to give people some context, a bit of understanding on this, because it's very frustrating for people to understand what you just said there in terms of these ranges. Yeah. So what do you mean? So the vast majority of these ranges, they come from organizations like the World Health Organization who look at massive populations of people across the entire globe and draw conclusions. So, for example, they will look at people who eat meat and the rates of cancer. And the rates of cancer are high in people who eat meat. But what they're not looking at is how many of those people smoke, drink, how much of that meat is hot dogs and burgers. America is massive and they're included in these studies and a lot of these incidences. So your average American diet is someone who's eating and drinking beer and having hot dogs, but they're meat eaters. So they're thrown into the pot as well. And we pull all this information together, meat equals cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's how they make that stuff up. Cholesterol, the exact same thing. It's an arbitrary number that they pick based on millions of people. And if you fall outside or inside that, you're either sick or healthy. And you might be sitting there in front of a doctor who was doing absolutely what they were trained to do. So they're not doing anything wrong. They mm-hmm. were trained that if... if um. Ashton comes in and she's between X and Y, she's healthy. And you might be sitting there going, but I feel terrible. But you're okay because you're you're in, you're within this number. So for people to know where those numbers come from, I'm not saying don't yeah. trust medicine or science, but you are not the same as a Gande who lives in the jungles of, of Africa or you're not the same as a Siberian Eskimo or you're not the same as an American man, but you're being treated the same in terms of the numbers. Yeah, and even the same for men and women. I'd say men and women, yeah. Mad. Completely different. <laughs> like, right. I don't know you're allowed to say that anymore. Yeah. Men and women but are no, different. But there is. Like you don't make, you don't ovulate. You don't need, so like B12, for example, is ridiculously important vitamin for ovulation. Yeah. And the range for B12 now changes all the time. But I always say it's from like, say 180 to 1000 it could be. And that's like, the you know, even at a push, some people even say higher than that. And so 180, let's say, I have clients come in to me, they're 210. It's not flagged because they're not out of range. And I'm like, you know what I mean? So for someone like that, women who have low B12, they might have irregular cycles and no period. That won't affect a man. So there is certain things. Your oh, ferritin levels I, I was well. only messing. Yeah. I completely agree <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah, it's just weird movement nowadays. You're not allowed to say men and Anything, women are different yeah. in any but way like, whatsoever. But we actually are. <laughs> We're completely different actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, again, for people, because it makes a lot more sense. Everything you said there makes so much yeah. sense when you think about that. Yeah. The doctor's not doing anything wrong, but you are not the same as the next person. Even, even your sister yeah. You're not the same as your sister. When you go in there, you are an individual. And if you understand that, then you can start to make better decisions about your own health. You don't have to go and read medical journals and understand everything about it. But if you feel there's something wrong, there is something wrong. Yeah. That is bottom line. It doesn't matter what your doctor tells mm-hmm. you. And any doctor worth their salt, and I've met loads of them, they do exist, yeah. will say that to you as well. But they don't have time to spend. Because realistically, if I want to figure out what's wrong with you, I'm going to have to go live with you for the next six months. I'm going to have to look at all your habits, your lifestyle, your relationship with your husband, what you do for a job, and I'm going to have to call in all your bullshit because you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to do that. And when you go into the doctor, who am I asking about your health? You. And you haven't a clue. Yeah. Because you're living in denial. You don't know what fine is. All the stuff we spoke about before. Yeah. And then when I, as the doctor, give you the recommendation that I'm legally, legally obliged to do, you're going to listen to me because I have more information than you do. Yeah. But it's not ne- the type of information you're getting, remember, is not necessarily designed specifically for you. They're guidelines. Because um, the testosterone thing, we, you just mentioned there with the, the range, we used to see guys in their early 20s come in one point, one point above the lower end of the scale and we're fine. Yeah. And they've been to loads of doctors saying, I'm depressed. 
Mm -hmm. I, I want to kill myself. Like really, really dark stuff. I'm putting on weight. I've no sex drive. I've no motivation. I can't build muscle in the gym. Whatever that thing was, you're fine. Yeah. No, no, no. I've just told you I'm not fine. No, but you're fine. Yeah. And doesn't in, in for testosterone specifically in this country, there is nowhere to go. No one wants to touch it. No one wants to deal with it. There's not there's no conversation about supplementation. It's a very, very small area yeah. of people who are willing to speak about it. And yeah. I'm just familiar with the male. That is why I wanted so you to come on and tell me yeah. about it. No one wants to talk to you. And there is a a, a an absolute epidemic. I won't use the word pandemic at the moment. There's an absolute <laughs> epidemic of men with no motivation. Low sex drive, erectile dysfunction, uh, gynecomastia, excess body fat, contributing to further hormonal issues, uh, low immune systems, poor protein management mm -hmm. because of lifestyle factors and stress and low testosterone. And they've nowhere to go. They've yeah. Nowhere to go. Yeah. And um, so I, I, you mentioned earlier on about the girls not being, uh, ex this is not explained to girls and you're absolutely right. And it's also similar in a completely different way for men. Yeah. There's they no, need me and man version. They have, it's like, it, it, and for me, I said to you at the start, like I have no, this is now November, December, we're recording this. So I have geez. no appointments for four months. And that just goes to show, it's not because I'm absolutely amazing. Like it just goes to show the demand for what is needed. Like that's the thing. People have nowhere else to go. So they're, they're turning to other places. And obviously I'm in business a long time. So obviously word of mouth is amazing, but it's like, it's it's hard because the doctor doesn't have someone to be like, I can't help you, but go to this person. They don't exist here. They don't exist, exactly. Yeah. And what's encouraging to me is, and it's funny because you mentioned podcasts earlier on, and we're doing a podcast right now, and I would have had exposure to a lot of this in America through podcasts. Mm. I was like, oh my God, this world is real. It exists because there's a few people here doing amazing work, like yourself and Dr. Sam and Owen Lacey and these people yeah. doing amazing work. But they're, they're, it's not that they're underground. Nobody understands what it is that they do or how they can help. And I will send everybody to these people before I send them into the system. Not because the system is bad, but most of these people have lifestyle issues yeah. and that's where you go if you have a lifestyle issue and then if they get really sick, they go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, but nobody knows. And I, I, I'm very encouraged by watching the States. Now, there's a lot of things wrong over there. It's a crazy, crazy place. But there's some people over there with the resources and the backing to build facilities and centers and education mm -hmm. around lifestyle and functional medicine. Yeah. And they're starting to, now it's, they have a massive resistance in the States because it's pharma central and it's a, it's a just a mad place and there's politics behind everything and it's yeah. crazy. But we can learn from that yeah. as individuals. Like I've learned how to change my life through podcasts. Mm -hmm. It wasn't through college or school or scientific papers. Now you want to verify a lot of the stuff that you hear because we can literally say anything right yeah. now. <laughs> People could believe us. Um, but it's, it's the power of information. You coming yeah. on here, hopefully there's men and women listening right now who are going to make decisions to either come and see you or change their life or because of what you've just said there. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. That's powerful. Um, there's another big, uh, I'm going to circle it now. Uh, yeah. Because we're talking about mental health and this is a nice segue, is good health. Yes. And it is something that people are talking about now, the link between mental health and good health, but it's still not very well understood. And I also think it's another version of people will talk about it but not really understand it. Someone might try it. It doesn't work for them because it hasn't been explained to them properly and they discount it. And they're like, ah, oh, that didn't work for me. I changed my diet. That didn't really work. But they didn't actually really change their diet at all. They might have stopped eating chocolates but they're still drinking wine and they still have the massive amount of stress and there's so many other factors to it. So you have recently, not recently stepped into this world but you've recently started to, to, to expose your kind of audience a lot more yeah. to good health. So maybe give me your, your take on where we are at good health at the moment. Every single person who walks into my clinic, whether coming in for acne or sinuses or 
hormonal, um, say like heavy periods, fertility, the first thing I look at is gut health. It is like the foundations if you're building a house. It is the most important thing in your entire body because the problem is and the misconception is that your gut health is your digestive system. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I don't get constipated. I go to it every single day. I'm never bloated. No, my gut health is fine. But that's only one tiny little part of it. And the other two major jobs for gut health, number one is for your mood. So like your happy hormones, your serotonin, your dopamine, these are made in the gut. So if your gut isn't working properly, you're not making these happy hormones. That's literally just like the bottom line. And the other major thing for your gut health is for your immune system. So I didn't even learned this in the last couple of years. 80% of your immune system is your it's gut. It's amazing. 80%. It's so high. Yeah. So it's not even just like when I say immune system, people go, oh, I haven't had an antibiotic in years though. Like that's not me. But I'm like, no, your immune system is how your body even responds to things. So you get a cut, you get a paper cut. How long does that take to heal? You have, as a woman, you get period cramps and you're in bits or you get breakouts, you know, little, say, say hormonal acne, like a little bit of redness. Your body should see that fire and be like, lad, something's not right here. We need to go put that out. So it's not even just preventing colds and flus and how fast you recover from COVID. <laughs> it's your body response, responding to certain things and keeping you well and keeping you alive. And it's so important because I say like, if your mood is crap, your immune system's crap and your digestion's crap. Like nothing else is going to work. Like from a digestive perspective, the reason it's so important for hormones is the way you get rid of hormones is you poo them out. So like when we're talking about things like heavy periods and acne and those kind of things, a lot of those problems are hormone excess. You've too much estrogen, you've too much testosterone. And I can give you the best quality supplements in the world, but you have to be able to break them down and excrete them properly. And that's where your digestion comes into play. So 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 important and again it's like kind of going back to every single thing we've talked about today your lifestyle affects gut health so much so like poor diet is going to affect your gut health stress affects your gut health antibiotics and um, the contraceptive pill is a steroid drug that will really impact your gut health and we're doing all these things to go against it and we're not filling it up on the other side so when I was a child I mentioned the start like my mum was a, a naturopath and herbalist she always used to talk about the seesaw analogy and she still talks about it now like she's like you've got everything on the seesaw so she was like for example if we were going to sleep over where to be like you know dominoes she'd be like you have to have two pieces of fruit before you go you have to put it on the other end of the seesaw and as a child that made so much sense and that's what it is now like you mentioned their wine we should be able to have our takeaway in our glass of wine on Friday because that's what feeds the soul and if we're talking about like maintaining your progesterone levels you need that as well to kind of help keep you sane like the, the world is insane well, where are you living yeah it's a way we're mad like but are you also did you have your raw food that day did you have your fruit have you had your five a day did you get your clean water have you had your omega threes it's like we've we've kind of missed the other side of things people are either on it or they're not mm. which is the thing I absolutely hate I'll start on Monday and I'm like, if you're starting something, you lit your automatic automatically setting yourself up for failure because the start point has to have an end point, you know, that way. Whereas if you're like, okay, I'm going to get up, I'll have a bit of chocolate now and I'll have my salad and I'll have, it's just a balance. And it's so, I would say, it's so unsexy. And it's so like, I wish I had some like amazing nutrition thing. Like, well, have you heard? Yeah. But that is just the basics. That's what it is. It's, it's trying to find that balance. And that's how we kind of keep healthy and like that that's what's so important for your gut health basically yeah that word balance really triggers some people as well people on both sides people who are completely uneducated in this but there's also some people in the field of nutrition and stuff like that that hate the word balance too and yeah. it's, it's funny because I I like it and the way I look at this is if I can build a body a machine that's very effective at processing things so for example a great immune system for fighting off 
issues, yeah. <laughs> viruses and bacteria <laughs> and stuff like that. If, but if I can build a very effective immune system, I don't mind getting sick. If I can build a strong frame, good bones and some muscle, I can fall and protect myself. Mm-hmm. And the chances are I'm not going to break my hip. I'm probably going to live a little bit longer. If I can create an effective digestive system and, for example, become very effective at metabolizing both fat and carbohydrate, depending on what I need. And this is where this whole ketosis argument comes in. Mm-hmm then I can have a balanced diet because I can have a couple of those chocolates and then go back to having a super healthy diet and do the things I like because I've, I've created a body that's designed to be able to have those changes. They're still not good for me, but that's not what I'm eating them. I'm, I'm taking care of my body. I'm doing all the things that are good for me so I can do these things. I train so I can play football. But most people hear this balanced diet. They don't do, I should stop saying most people, many people, they don't do the training. They don't build a healthy base, like your mom was maybe saying with the seesaw. Mm-hmm. They don't do the things that are the right things to do to create a healthy system and then start going for the things. They just think, well, okay, I'll have one chocolate and one piece of broccoli. But they haven't built a healthy body. They've done none of the training. They're just kind of now doing the practices. of. So it's like I'll, I'll go run in the Olympics and I haven't done any training because yeah. Olympic athletes are amazing and they're doing amazing things. So I'll do what they do. But 95% of what an Olympic athlete does is behind the scenes is what you don't see and it's creating a robust and I love this phrase of just like a robust resilient superhuman because yeah. when you have that yeah you might die but the chances are compared to everyone who doesn't do that you're, it's survival of the fittest here you're going to create a system that's so effective at managing the curveballs like like a chocolate or a glass yeah. of wine and that makes you happy so as you said that, that could contribute to your life to your training as well Yeah. but a lot of people hear that word balance and the, it's like um, the reason a doctor was really hesitant and I sympathise with doctors in this to take someone off and I know I'm banging on about cholesterol here and statins but it's just an easy illustration. Mm-hmm. A doctor's really hesitant to take anyone off a statin and tell them to eat healthy because the chances are that person's not going to understand yeah. what it is or won't be able to mm-hmm. do it. So the only way I know if seven minutes with you now, Ashling, before you leave, the only guarantee that you can do anything that I can take any part in your healthcare is to give you this medication because yeah. I can't follow you home, make you eat the right foods, make you get better sleep, change your job because it's killing you from a stress point of view and yeah. manage your home. I can't do any of that for you. I can't. Yeah. And you're not going to do it, which is the sad fact. So I have to give you that. Um, so that, that word balance is really interesting to me because I believe in it, but it's way deeper than people think it is. Um, and when it comes to gut, I think it's a huge one as well. Yeah. Having that balance. Um, and that, that link between the gut and, and, and mental health, specifically around those feel-good hormones, happy hormones, serotonin and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Yeah. Because like that, even like I've had young girls come to me and again, I'm not against medication at all. But, you know, these girls could have had... For example, I think about someone out from last week. She's had um, five UTIs in the last year. So she's had an antibiotic every second month for urinary tract infection. She was on the pill for wow. 10 years. And then she's so depressed, went to GP and they're putting on antidepressant. She'd never heard of probiotics. She didn't know anything about them. So a probiotic is a supplement that you can take for, I would say it's like the food that feeds your fish. Your fish are the your gut health. <laughs> um, and she's never heard of that. And she's, I think she was like 23. Do you know that way? So yeah. it's like, it's again, loss in translation. Now it actually is getting better because some people come to me and say, oh, my GP actually told me to take this. Or if I'm, um, pharmacists are actually very good now. They'll tell people when you take an antibiotic, you have to take a probiotic supplement afterwards. And all we're doing is just fixing the damage that's been done because when you take an antibiotic, it can't tell who's good guys and who's the bad guys. It just kills off everything. And that's why when you're finished taking antibiotic, you're so wrecked afterwards. Like you you might be a bit of a sniffle and you're you're not well after it. You're not sick as in like dying on the couch, but you're not well yeah. because you've depleted so much of your gut health. And 
probiotics have so much god we could do a whole podcast on that there's all different kinds of strains for different types of and um, whether it's for mental health whether it's for gut health and um, the reason we need probiotics is because we don't really eat fermented food. This is where you get them naturally. Like, how do we survive for this long yeah. without it? And I say to clients, like, you know, have you ever eaten like sauerkraut before or kimchi? Or- kimchi? Have you ever had a kefir? And they're like, eh, looking at me with 10 heads, being like, no. Like, you know, Irish mommy dinners did yeah. not have sauerkraut on the side. So no. Ireland, we're really bad for this because it's just not part of our culture, really. Um so and we're mad into taking like even just being hung over and taking Panadol you doing that how many times a week you taking painkillers and all the little things plus being on the pill or on your thyroid beds or on yeah. it's all the little things really that start impacting gut health as well as stress as well as toxins from the environment like they don't really stand a chance and then the other problem then is our food changes so much so it's live bacteria that's in our gut like they have to be fed and they feed on our fruit and our vegetables and I would say, think about like each different type of fruit or veg feeds different type of gut bacteria. So if you only eat bananas and you hate every other fruit, your poor gut health that loves apples is like dying in the back room. Like it's literally like hasn't been fed in years. Like, so we have to try and get that variety in, you know, that kind of way to kind of feed your, this food's called prebiotics as well that basically kind of help feed your gut health even more, which is things like your garlic and um, asparagus is really good in there. Actually, bananas are great. Your oats, it's like this type of fiber that they just love. And um, we need to just get more of these foods in as well, basically. Yeah. Um, was, is it starch resistant fiber that you didn't get? From, yes. Yeah. Just a question, a practical question here on quantities mm-hmm. and bioavailability and stuff like that, because like, pe- people are starting to hear a lot more about this now. Good fiber and fruits and vegetables and feed the healthy bacteria but practically you might have Mary has like a little spoonful of kimchi every week mm-hmm. realistically and I know there's no such thing as the average person but what do you look are you looking at eating fermented foods with every single meal with how much of this stuff like you need to eat a jar of kimchi realistically because like for example people who get spinach in their smoothie they might have three leaves in there like I get my spinach every week and that's it's non-existent quantities mm-hmm. and a lot of the research that's done on and I'm going to ask you the same question about herbs. Yeah. It's a big pushback about herbs because in a lot of cases, the dosage of herb has, it's completely minuscule. Mm-hmm. So they have, there's 50 herbs in this tablet, the tablet's this big. And you're yeah. like, well, how, how, how much of each of these herbs is actually in there? Um, how do you approach that with your clients when it comes to nutrition, the food, the, the amount of this type of food they should be eating in general? I know it depends on the person. Um, and then from a herbal point of view, supplements, how do you deal with that, the, the, the quantity of ingredient that's in these herbs mm-hmm. how do you know what's effective because there's lots of supplements out there lots of people taking herbs but like or even eating garlic and stuff like that but it, it could be minuscule it might yeah. be having any effect yeah um from a food perspective in terms of quantity and things like that i actually just try and get my clients to be consistent okay like i could say to them you need to eat two cups of broccoli every single night with dinner that's the recommended dose that's what you have to have i don't do that every day yeah yeah and this is the problem that so much of these rules put around nutrition as practitioners. This is something I don't do at all with people. I've never done that. I say if you can make every meal 2% better and be consistent, even if that is, they go from their, I don't know, their chicken wrap. Now it has chicken, rocket and tomatoes and that's every day. And it might not be the recommended daily amount they need to be eating, but if they do that every single day and now their their breakfast also has berries in it instead of just cornflakes and they're having that extra bit of broccoli, even if it is only half a cup, and that is consistent. 
that is better than someone going hell for leather and trying to kind of almost reach these kind of unrealistic targets and saying, oh, well, this is why people fall off the bandwagon because they can't keep it up. So I kind of have a bit of a different approach with clients being like, try and be consistent like that, make every meal your 2% better and it will add up over time. There's obviously different circumstances like we have some people especially my mom because my mom's in practice for so long and she'd have the medical experience behind her my mom sees a lot of chronic illnesses so you know she'd have like complementary care with cancer patients who are getting treatment and we'd always like go and get treatment we're not a clinic to be like alternative medicine it's complementary medicine and for those people we're saying no you need to get loads of greens in and make extra juices in between meals and we're kind of coming at them guns blazing a little bit differently like their garlic I think it's four cloves of garlic is a thousand milligrams you know, okay. that way. And garlic's like enzymes are only activated after they're chopped and it's killed by heat. So we'd explain to those clients, you know, chop it up first, say you're making a soup and put it in very, very last and just don't be boiling it to death the way like, you know, you you roast your garlic with your in in the oven, like you're just getting the taste, you're not actually getting medicinal properly. So I, there's kind of different categories of people that we see for that. But anyone listening who's saying, oh, I don't like broccoli, I couldn't be eating a cup every single day. Just start off small and be consistent. And that will stand to you way more than going back and forth saying, right, I'm starting on Monday and Monday and Tuesday, you're great. And you're falling off again by by Wednesday. In terms of herbs, um, it's kind of a, an interesting one for me to answer because I don't use supplements of herbs because we use herbal tinctures. So the way our clinic work, we get them all as, as like individual liquids. So we get like stock bottles, like liters of all different types of herbs. They're made in the UK and in Ireland where... They're grown and they're pressed and they're in alcohol. So they're really concentrated herbal extracts that we use. Okay. So, you know, we might put in, we make up clients, say we make up personalized tonics. So usually 300 ml bottles. Okay. And in 300 ml, I could put 50 different herbs for you all in one bottle. It's it's you in a bottle. It's like that. We have 300 herbs to choose from. Some are for acne, some are for anxiety, some are for increasing your testosterone levels, some are for dry skin, for heart palpitations, for headaches. And we make up personalized tinctures. Every single person we see, it's a personalized tincture. We don't do generic formulas for energy or for mood. How can one, how can Barbara, who's 90, and you, who's 30, have the same something for mood or same tonic for mood? Yeah. So our herbs are stronger. They're more potent than capsules would be. And obviously, because they're liquid, they're easy to absorb as yeah. well. So I've never gone down the route of herbs in capsule form and knowing kind of dosages in that sense because I've always been so lucky to have my mum's clinic. Um, in terms of supplements, just get good quality supplements. That is actually really important in terms of bioavailability. Like if you're, if you've vitamin C and the first ingredient is like calcium carbonate, like that is a problem, <laughs> Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's it's something actually, I've, it's, it keeps coming up lately. Uh, I spoke with Fergus and CBD, same thing. Spoke with Owen Lacey recently about the immune system, same kind of thing. It's about small, consistent. Yeah. It's about uh, understanding the part that it plays in the bigger picture as opposed to because I sometimes use like a vitamin as an example you don't expect to take a vitamin and feel amazing the next day yeah it's it's a consistent process where you're con you're changing how you live your life it's not a diet it's just how you it's what you do now you now do this thing to supplement your lifestyle mm -hmm. to build a bit to build this machine we're talking about before it's something you now just do going forward it's not like oh, I'm gonna have to eat broccoli for the next three weeks no you, you've Pick something, like you said, that you can maintain, do it consistently and build off that. Because once you set to feel good, like what kind of feedback do you get from clients who go on these tinctures? Oh, amazing. Herbs. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah. Like they're oh, on another level. And what would you be putting them on it for? 
I know it's, everything is anything, different, but it yeah. could, could be anything. They come in So and I say, take a tonic, for example, and I get mine changed month to month all the time. Okay. Um, Depending on what I need it for. So like mine is always like adrenal, adrenals because I'm always like up the walls. So, you know, there's herbs, probably with ashwagandha. That's a huge herb yeah, kind yeah, of chatting around yeah. at the moment. Um, ashwagandha is in mine. Um, Elutrococcus, which is uh, Siberian ginseng, is in mine as well. Um, then I'd have herbs for like digestion. I have herbs for increasing your progesterone levels. I have herbs for... um. I was getting heart palpitations there a while ago. It was a lovely herb called Leonardo, Leonoris and that's really good for kind of calming your heart. Why were we getting heart palpitations? Because I was up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I always say do as I say, not as I do. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nice working with your mom as well because like, obviously we're business partners. My mom's like, Ashing, you need to sit down there. Like she literally whipped me into shape sometimes because I just, it's when you're running your business, it's so different. Like, you know, yeah. that kind of way you're, you never stop. Um, so they're, they're so personalized like that. We've 300 herbs and for me again, like I, don't need to do herbal medicine right now. I just said, I have no appointments till March. So it's not me doing it because I'm like, oh, this is a great little lucrative, like money-making business. I know it helps people. And if my mum decides to retire, I can't sell herbs anymore. You have to be a herbalist to sell herbs in Ireland. The way yeah. we well, the way we sell herbs, a lot of things, you can go into the pharmacy and buy chamomile, like, but you can't get the ones that we use, you know, that kind of way. And wh- why is it the delivery method or is it the concentration or what is it about it that that's... Because it's, it's it's a medicine. Like I've done two yeah. years of herb medicine training. I have to do 500 hours of clinical practice before I can dispense herbs. Like it's it's a, it's a medicine in itself. You can't just, and you can interact with different things. Like you have to understand how they work in order to actually give them. So some of them can be dangerous in itself. And that just goes to show that they work, you know, that kind of way. Like yeah. I always think it's very interesting that, you know, doctors or the medical industry are very quick to say, oh, they don't do anything. And yet also say, oh, you can't be taking herbs if you're on, if you're pregnant or if you're this or you're with your... Oh, I'm like, I thought that didn't work though. <laughs> Do you know that well, way? That's a common game that's played, like, yeah. It's funny in that sense. We want to make our money, but we don't want to get sued, so... Yeah. Um, so it's on another level when it comes to herbal medicine. It really is. I, I'm studying it because I know it helps people so much in what they... Like, for example, you know, someone can come back to me, like there's really herbs for thyroid and for heavy periods. So I see some girls come to me, they're so wrecked, they're drained, they're so anemic and their periods are so heavy. And what we have to do first is stop the bleeding because there's no way me giving them iron because it's like as if I explain, imagine you're filling up a bath and the stopper's out. So you keep filling up the bath with the iron, but you're losing that, that water, that blood every single month from the heavy period. And they just can't, you know, when you've had, when you've low on iron, even things like anxiety is so much worse. You're not sleeping properly. Your memory's not good. You're out of breath. You're, you can't work out properly. Like it's an awful feeling to be low on iron. So there's certain herbs that we can give to reduce bleeding. Like there's one called Capsala, which actually can constrict blood vessels and it, it makes periods lighter. There's nothing in wow. medicine that does that. Like, so clients come back to us eight weeks later and they're like, my period is so light. I can't believe it. Like, I feel so much better. I've, I've gone to the shop now. I made that food now you were talking about and I did the walk. I feel so much better. It's like we give them the extra support that sometimes nutrition can't give on its own. It's like as if I say to people, it's like as if you're trying to climb a mountain and I'm just going to get you to the top. And when you're at the top, you can stay there yourself. You know how to get there, but you just can't, you just know energy, you just can't get there on your own. So that's what we try and do with people. And then they know how to eat healthy. Like people know most of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just being able to do it basically. And I find that's where herbal medicine comes in. That's a really great point. I'll have to get you a tonic. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sold now, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a great point that you made there because it's it's one of the major issues is most people know and want to get better. And I always say this, I don't think people are stupid or ignorant or anything like that. I'm very privileged to have been in this world of access to this information and obviously having conversations with people like yourself. But it's so hard 
Yeah. It's just so much information. Like we've been speaking now for maybe an hour and a half and it, there's so many things. If, like if I was sitting at home listening to this, I'd be like, oh Jesus Christ, everything she said is me. There's just 50 things I have to do now. Yeah. And um, you've put it very nicely by by explaining that you just have to start something small and manageable, like anything, like James Clear, Atomic Habits is bouncing around at the moment. Everyone loves it. Same principle. Pick something small that you can do consistently and you'll notice the changes. Um, but it's, it's really nice to, for people to know like I understand you understand this is hard to do and the hardest thing to do when you're not feeling good is anything so if you you know the answer is maybe being healthier going for the walk eating better foods understanding a bit more about yourself but you've no energy and you've got a job and you've got kids and then maybe you've got a bad relationship or a good mm-hmm. relationship but you're busy either way and then you have the stress of what's going on at the moment and you've all this madness going on and you feel terrible and you're you're not healthy because your hormones are all over the place and your good health is all over the place and and everything that's happening is feeding that more so you're getting less healthy every day that goes on. It's so hard to do anything. Yeah. It's really, really hard. So you, someone like you being there and like your, your helping hand on the back could be this podcast. Someone could listen to this and that could be what they needed to make a step or mm-hmm. coming to you and I know you're saying you're booked out till March <laughs> like, but, but, but doing this kind of stuff I yeah. think is really, really valuable. That's why I do this. That's why I want to have this conversation. One, for me, because I'm very selfish. I want I want the information. But if, if people are listening to this, they now have that information and 95% of them will do nothing, but 5% might. And that 5% have fathers and sisters and daughters and, and yeah. it'll influence, it might influence them and you just cause a chain reaction the more you do this um, and you were laughing saying you've done so many podcasts sometimes you think well I do this podcast and like, keep doing them oh yeah I always say yeah yeah. keep definitely. doing them because it's it's changing it's definitely changing lives and that's, it's, a, it's a great thing to acknowledge that this is so hard because I feel like sometimes people might listen to these conversations and me specifically because sometimes I get I'm very like I'm a zealot mm-hmm. I'm like people should be doing all these things yeah. and it might sound like I'm flogging people are like I don't do all these things I don't do all these you things you don't do all these things I try I try really really yeah. hard and fall off the wagon all the time Yeah, and I'm privileged that I've felt good before and I recognise when I don't feel good and now I can work on that but that's been a process for me and most people don't have access to the information that I do yeah. or that you do or the experience yeah. that you do um, or the, the system or the circle that you do yeah. um, So it, and I think my, my like I said to you earlier like the frustration I almost kind of feel guilt sometimes like only about a month ago I literally just, not even a melton, I just was so burnt out. We had our wedding at the end of... Oh, congratulations, by the Thank way, yeah. you. The end of September, and that was like full steam ahead for that. We rescheduled four times, so like the emotional stress plus planning plus everything. And I came home and I was so drained. And I came into my mom and I was like, mom, I said to her, can you fit me in tomorrow for a consultation <laughs> in the clinic? And she came in and I was like, I am dead. And my mom and myself included, actually, I'm big into like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda medicine I mentioned at the start. Yeah. Like that's part of our training. So within that, we do things like pulse diagnosis. Ah. And we look at the tongue. And my mom took my pulse and took, looked at my tongue and was like, you're completely, the herbs that I was taking, I've been on for say like years, like my base tonic. She's like, that's completely wrong. Like, she's like, your liver, this again is Chinese medicine. She's like, your, your, um, your liver chi is gone. Like, it's like your drive. You've given up so much energy that you're just completely burnt out. I said to her basically, I can't do anything unless it's going to my head. I ha- I leave everything until, I have an hour off, right, to catch up on emails and, or say I have a call at five and this is four. I'll wait until two minutes to five and then I'm running around the house but like, oh, isn't, you know what I mean? This kind of thing. But I thrive on that. It's like, and this is in the last couple of months as I I, ha- I needed that kind of extra adrenaline. She's like, you've just burnt yourself out. So I got completely new herbs, never taken them before, the ones that I'm on now. And within two weeks, I felt like a different person. I remember texting my mom being like, people don't have this. I would have went to the doctor for depression or for even just, I just felt so flat. I just was so burnt out. And 
it's mad the difference I feel from just taking the tonic. Do you know that kind of way that I'm like, again, there's so many things that I'm like, I can't wait to be herbalist and be able to even give this out more and more. But it's just, I get so upset that it's just not known and like so many people struggling and it's there if we just don't know about it, you know? So it's great. Like I said, podcasts are so good to come on and, and spread the word. Yeah. And yeah. I'm normal. Like I'm onto my Instagram. But I think people I'm think, I am normal. <laughs> I'm cool. But I think people think me talking about herbal medicine, like I actually... Like, like I love my nights out. I love my glam. I'm like just a normal Irish girl. Like I'm not someone who, you know, is is living in the Dublin mountains. And not that there's anything wrong with that. But I think that's what people think when they think herbalism, like a shaman coming down. And like I'm a normal like thirty year old girl, like anyone else, like sitting here with my fake tan on, and and I can still do that and respect the the knowledge that herbs have and how much it can impact us as well. Yeah, Does that makes sense. It makes perfect sense, yeah. and the reason I f- I, f- I really feel what you just said there is because I'm I'm not obviously not doing the same thing as you, but I feel in a similar position because my lifestyle choices to some people I know would seem alternative, or but I know a lot of people in the alternative community or complementary yes. community who they my friends and peers would never go to because yeah. they look like your stereotypical shaman or your gypsy woman with magic magic yeah. feathers and stuff like that but I know from first hand experience that there's massive massive value and knowledge and expertise and wisdom in that community mm-hmm. I now obviously know more about herbs than I ever did before and yeah. like you tell a- a- any Again, I don't like using these words, but normal person who doesn't have access to this information, they're, not, they're never going to go there. But they yeah. might listen to my podcast because exactly. I'm a fairly normal guy. Yeah. And I, 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 my circles, I play football and go to the gym this and is it. Yeah. Meet, meet most of these guys. And I'm finding it so interesting over the last maybe seven or eight years since I've been in the functional medicine world. The people who would have thought, no one thought it was strange, but the people who were thought some of my lifestyle choices were a bit alternative are now the people who are like, what was that thing you mentioned to mm. me there? Or, geez, and I listened to your podcast earlier. That was, that was quite interesting about when I was mentioning psychedelics to you before and even stuff like that. Like, yeah. So by you being just, a, as you put it, an, normal a normal gal. gal <laughs> yeah. yeah but not a boss bitch, just a normal gal. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you, you're, there's going to be a lot more people who yeah. look at you for, for other reasons that like your Instagram page or the, or, or the fake tan or whatever that. Yeah, and then yeah. they realise, oh, hold on, what? She's doing something completely different here and, but she's still going out and having a glass yeah. of wine and doing all the normal, the quote unquote normal things. But yeah. she's talking about herbs. What's this? And you might just pique somebody's interest. And mm-hmm. that I think I think that's how you do it to answer the question I asked you to <laughs> start. You're, you're doing it right now by, yeah. by bringing this information to the masses, I suppose, and just presenting it. And just here, here I am, I'm a normal person, but I'm doing this kind of stuff too. And you see that now with the sea swimming and with all this other stuff that people thought was mad. And they're being pulled and gravitated towards it because I feel like people are looking for more now. They're looking for answers. They're looking for somewhere else to go for information. They're looking for something that they can trust because a lot of people feel, as most of us do, very let down by a lot of different things. And we're looking for other and we're finding it in each other. And I think that's amazing because we're kind of going back to our roots a little bit with like tribes and stuff. I don't want to go too, too, too far down that hole, but um, yeah, that's what you're doing right now. I think it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's lovely to see your passion for it too. Um, I don't want to keep it too much longer. I have one more yeah. question for it because it's a, it's a hot topic and I'm going to bring you back on because it's something a lot of people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned obviously the amount of women with issues and I mentioned the amount of men with issues with sex drive and libido. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting as a sociological thing to look at relationship issues now. Yes how much of an issue that it can cause if a man, for example, thinks that the woman has no more interest in her mid-twenties or mid-thirties, has no more interest in intimacy or sex or anything like that. And likewise as well with men, women who 
the man has seems to have no interest or motivation or, or has performance issues and stuff like that. Is it does he not love me anymore? Yeah. And I've I, I've seen it just from being in the clinic firsthand in hundreds of cases where relationships break down and it's coming from this, it's coming from all the issues that you mentioned, which are medical hormonal issues and it causes relationship breakdown. Is that something that you see? Oh my God, every single day. So significant. It's mad, isn't it? So, so, so important. The sex drive thing is a really interesting one because like I get emails, I get Instagram messages every day, like what can I do for sex drive? What can I do for libido? And if I talk about that even on my stories, I get such a huge influx. But there's no magic pill for sex drive. If there was, imagine I said, here's my herbal tonic. It works for sex drive. I would be living in one of those massive houses in Marbella. Like it just, that doesn't exist. If it existed, we'd know about it. Mm. Do you know that way? Yes, herbs can support, like I said, testosterone levels and we can support hormones, but it's completely lifestyle related. And if someone is up the walls and so stressed and not sleeping, your sex drive and your libido is an extension of that. Like it's why would your body waste press, press, precious energy having sex when it's like you're barely surviving as it is, especially like that even, you know, you hear a lot like men who compete, you know, when they're obviously mm. their body fat's gotten very low or <clears throat> women have no periods, women on the pill, like you're, you've, you've no extra drive there. You've no hormones there. Your body's like literally in panic mode that the last thing in the world it wants to do is is procreate, you know, that way. So yeah, yeah it's such an important topic and as well. It's important for people to understand that, men and women, because you could avoid relationship issues by understanding it's not necessarily, I'm not going to say it's not about, but it's not necessarily about this person has no interest in me anymore or no interest in being intimate or they don't love me anymore or they have no time for me anymore or work is more important than having sex. If, I feel if more people understood that, mm-hmm. as difficult as it can be, and we're a little bit more sympathetic towards that, it would help a lot of relationships. It would help a lot of people. It would help a lot of communities, really, yeah. to interact with each other if they just understand this is not yeah. about me. This is about something d- deeper. Well, I know from working with clients, like, and I think I, I don't know if I ever put it up on Instagram. Oh, we have it in an ebook I wrote before. So basically, I put up a poll, and I think like 10,000 people answered on Instagram, and I asked people how often they've sex, right? Now, I think everyone thinks everyone is having more sex than they are. And that's the problem. So girls tick low libido on my um, consultation sheet. And they're like, oh, we only have sex once a week. But so do most people. When I did that poll, the most common answer was once a week. And then the second one was twice a week. And then I said, hey, more than three times a week. I think it was like 10%. Do you know that way? And suddenly then it was like, oh, actually then you're actually in the minority, like you actually don't have low libido. I think it's expectation and it's it's watching movies and seeing like your friend who just got with like their other, their boyfriend and like they're obviously in this like honeymoon phase and that's a whole hormonal issue in itself. That's your body being like, please get pregnant, yeah, you know, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the perception of it. It's something again, you know, even talking about mental health and things like that. We don't talk about like sex and relationships. I think is something that's really up and coming as well. I always said if I was nutritionist, I'd love to be a sexologist. I'm so fascinated by relationships and this kind of thing and, mm. and sex and stuff. But it's an area that's not really talked about that much. But I know from seeing clients that it's just something that we don't realise it actually is normal, but we don't think it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to add to that, normal, like the numbers are fine and they're a good indicator, I suppose, mm-hmm. but normal for you could be different than normal yeah. for me. Yeah. And the only way you'll know that is if you look at all the other aspects of your life and say, is everything in order? Because the only way I can judge if my desire to have sex is normal is if I've taken care of everything and I know there's no underlying issues because I've no way of knowing if it's poor nutrition or anything because mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything about all that. But if I'm doing all of that and now I have an issue and I think it's not normal or I don't want to have sex ever, 
then that's something that you can start to look at the numbers and compare yourself to maybe. But yeah. like there's so many other things. And yeah. again, I just think it's it's so important to talk about because so so many relationships could break down yeah. over something like this. And then obviously, and we won't get into this now, but obviously then you have all of the external factors like pornography and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. as well that adds more complexity to these situations if someone doesn't feel desired or wanted or there's comparison or there's distraction or chasing dopamine. It's so nuanced. It's never one thing, but mm -hmm. it always gets boiled down to he doesn't love me anymore or she doesn't find me attractive anymore. Yeah. Maybe that might be the case, but I think there's so much more nuance wants around it no definitely so much more nuance around it yeah actually i'm not going to keep it any longer <laughs> we could talk all day we could talk all day yeah. and i'll probably ask you to come back again and we'll, we'll cover some yeah. of those other topics you, you mentioned there but um absolutely fascinating really mm. really fascinating stuff you're so ex obviously experienced but you're so passionate about this and it comes true and i love i love seeing that in people because even this podcast is something that i can hand to people now yeah. as not a guide to do anything but a, a point of reference something to listen to to give you some reference and perspective on your life and maybe you've, you've probably talked about 50 different things a person could potentially look at in their life if they're feeling not good yeah literally as, as simple as that if you're not feeling good yeah here's fifth here's a place to start like you can have a look at all these different areas yeah and um, plans for you going forward now you said you're busy up until march and um, but in terms of the big picture for for you and God. the company and big picture so i'm launching the aok nutrition gut mind clinic love in it. january so i have two nutritionists i'm taking on board to focus on that because i always say like my thing is hormones i love gut health but i'm not as passionate about it anymore i know where my expertise is 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 used okay. so Two women coming aboard. They're so passionate about it. I'm so excited to have them working alongside us. And I'd love, I'd love to create like long-term goal, like loads like that little pockets of AOK Nutrition, whether you want to come for like fertility or you want to come like that for cardiovascular health or you have just get really good nutritionists that are as passionate and able to help people. So the first goal is, is January, get that up and running and then finish Herbal Medicine. Oh my God, I can't wait for that just to be over. My brain will be so quiet and I'll just be like... You'll find something else to fill that. <laughs> and then I'll be a herbalist and yeah, I don't know. Like it's exciting. Like it's good to be in the industry. So yeah, yeah we'll and see. When's, yeah, when's the podcast coming out? And the podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if people want to find you, reach out to you, obviously the clinic and the Instagram, where, where's the best place to go if they want to... So AOK Nutrition is the best thing. On, on Instagram. On and Instagram. My, my, my website's AOK Nutrition and my Instagram is AOK Nutrition as okay. well. Yeah. And just a, a, just a practical question to ask you. I know you're very busy and you're booked out. And mm -hmm. if people can't get in to see you, what's, where's a good place to start if they can't come and see you straight away? Um, I always feel bad about this as well. My I do have a lot of highlights on my Instagram, so okay. I try and cover a lot of information there. Um, I also try and do uh, webinars every couple of months as well. So okay. I have like one that's really popular with women called Breaking Up a Birth Control, whereas like they're coming to, they've been on the pill 15 years and they're absolutely terrified basically to come off it. So going through like, you know, the best ways to come off it, other uh, contraceptive methods, um, what to expect, how to balance your hormones, supplements, all that kind of stuff. So I, I ran that last one I did now was before summer. Obviously the wedding was a bit of a mad during the summer and everything like that, but that I, I tried that as well a couple of times per year just to try and give people the information. Okay. Um. So yeah, just keep an eye on my Instagram and you can have a look at all the different things hopefully we'll be putting up now in the next couple of months. I love it. It's just time. You just need to clone yourself. I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? it? But it's, when you get really passionate yeah. about something, when you start to get a real, I have a real fear that I'm going to run out of time before I get all this information and, and help all these people that I want to help. Like, And when you're really passionate about something, as you clearly are, time mm. becomes an issue then because you want to work 24 hours a day. But then you also realise you have to 
practice a little bit of what you preach too and you have to take care of yourself or yeah. else you're going to burn out and you're not going to be able to help yeah. people it's a it's a different level of stress yeah I find sometimes I'm like I've so much to do I have 100 emails and I just don't write back to any of them because I'm like I can't like, paralysis by analysis it's just but it's like what do I every single one oh hi I'm so sorry suffering I'll see you in four months like I I have this like I don't know how to describe it it's just it's it's like I, I'm helpless that's actually the best way to describe it I'm helpless at this moment so I find it really hard to sit down and write back to DMs, write back to emails because I know it can help them. I've just talked for two hours about how the medical industry is letting people down and I can help them, but I can't take them. So I'm also letting them down in that sense. Yeah. So until I can figure out a way to help everyone, my mom is always like, Ashley, you can't save everyone. Like you just need to focus on the people that you're seeing. Um, I think I'll just probably have that guilt or that feeling. So it's just... I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out, like yeah. all of us. No, I get you. And this, yeah. I, I understand the guilt, but I'm telling you right now, like by doing not not this particular podcast, but things like this, putting the information on Instagram, doing your webinars, that's I I think that's the key. Yeah. Because you're going to help people doing that. You can't see everybody. You literally can't see everybody. And I always say this is about I don't have the answer for the HSE, but I have the answer for individuals. And the more individuals you can touch, they might touch other individuals. And that's why I'm really passionate about building community around this stuff, as you are as well. Yeah. Get people involved. Just get involved. Do something. Reach out to somebody. It's a cliche. But talk to somebody. Like talk to your friend and the two of you can go through it together or figure it out together. You're not going to be the same, but you'll have support there. That's what's important. But unfortunately, we're being driven apart more and more and more nowadays. And I don't mean like by crazy overlords or anything like that. I kind of do, but <laughs> we won't go there. Um, but by even by the way we're designed to work, it's all individual. The way we live, it's all individual. There's no sense of community and connection anymore. And like, I, I'm really passionate about that because now my community have access to you and that's mm-hmm. amazing. And it's, it's going to change people's lives. It's going to tweak things in people. So yeah. you're, you're doing it right now. So yeah. I wouldn't feel too guilty about it. You're thank doing amazing you. Work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for asking me on. Thanks for coming. Really yeah, appreciate great. it. And, Definitely uh, back on. Hopefully we'll have yeah, a good chat. We'll yeah. touch base in the future. Maybe I'll yeah. come on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll touch base in the future. Um, but once again, thanks so much for your time and thanks for sharing your, your wisdom with us. No problem. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Now, what do you think about that? An absolutely cracking episode with Ashling Fox. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And this is one of those episodes. If you heard something in this episode that you think is relevant to you and you'd like to know more, please do reach out to Ashling or even reach out to us here at Primal and we will do everything we can to get you the information that you need to make the best decisions for your health. Guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Remember, the best way you can support this show if you enjoy listening is simply to follow us on the various different platforms. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or any of our social platforms. Just showing your support that way really makes it easier for us to keep making these episodes and bringing this high-quality content. Thank you so much as always. We'll see you in the next episode.